Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray. And today we are going to be going back in a few months ago to our 2022 uh, 31 Days of Horror Challenge. And like we did with Action April um, last year, I guess, where I'm going to have two guests on here. We have one uh, Sheldon Matico and one Scott organizing all of these challenges for, and then having to podcast with me after that layman to, uh, to talk about these. So we decided to do something different. In the past, it's been a top 10 list. We uh, have each picked two movies from our October Horror Movie Challenge for all of us to review. We are going to each have points that we assign spread among the six movies reviewed. And at the end, one will have the lowest number. I need to confess to, to begin with, normally it's all movies that I own and that the, the one that gets the least number of points has to leave my movie collection. I only have physical copies of two of the six that we're going to be talking about. Scott, let, let's have you start off with, um, this was, I mean, you've organized that challenge. We're now into like the second year of the action and the and the funny February challenges, but you've organized that uh 31 Days of Horror for quite a while now. How was that last year for you? Uh, it's good. I always get a get a kick out of it. And my uh, my wife's not really into the horror films, but she kind of almost feels like this is something I'm doing uh, that I just have to do. So she understands, and uh, it's an excuse to watch as many horror movies as I can in a month. I didn't I didn't beat my record. We're, I think it was one off. So I think we we're at like, it was at 48 or 49. So I, I'd love to crack that 51. But uh, yeah. that first year was just, a, a, we, we had nearly a hundred movies between the two of us. It was just wild. I, I was nowhere close. I, I was better than I expected. I was aiming for one a day. Sheldon, this was your first horror movie challenge. You participated in Action April. How was it for you? Ah, it was it was a lot of fun. I, um, I'm not your. I don't know. Like to to be quite honest, I don't. I maybe. I'm not the hugest horror fan that you'll ever find, really, in in, in terms of genres. And it, it it's just the way that I don't know. I, I've always been, but I've always watched horror movies. But it, 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 it takes a really, I don't know, either a very special type that, that maybe I found a few of them on Tubi there uh, during the month. That was a, a pleasant surprise. Um, or it takes something that's like actually like from a Hollywood movie perspective, like actually extremely good to kind of, I don't know. So maybe I was a little bit safe and I, I picked movies maybe that I knew I might enjoy. But mm-hmm. um that's maybe one thing I, I I could maybe pick some ones, but uh, that I've never seen before. But through you guys, that's kind of where it went as well. Like I would watch a movie that maybe you guys would uh, suggest or whatever, because it was one that I'd never seen before. So yeah, I don't know. It, it was awesome because you get to experience the genre quite a bit, uh, having never really been, uh, I don't know, in the position to want to do that yourself. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I, I like I like a good horror movie every once in a while, but that was it was a lot. But it was it was also it was cool at the same time being a uh, avid movie uh, enthusiast. <laughs> yeah, if you go if you go hard at it, you can be uh, damaged a little bit internally by November first, and you just need to <laughs> watch something happy and like maybe right. a nice Disney movie or something with nobody yeah. dies. But yeah, yeah, not, not um, even Bambi. You can't even watch Bambi. You got to watch like something other than that in terms of a Disney movie. I don't know, Frozen maybe. Frozen. There, there was there was one month, one, one October where I, I thought about keeping a running tally on how many people. 
I watched die this month. And, uh, and I think I did that for like three movies. This is going to, this is not, I can't do this. I wonder what that number would be after 31 days. So uh, Scott's going to start us off with his uh, first choice of the two movies that he decided to highlight. So Scott, go ahead. Which one do you want to talk about first? Okay. Well, I guess if we're going to kick it off, uh, let's, let's start with uh, the movie that brings some really true horror to this uh, category. And, that's 2005's The Descent. Okay, give me a smile. Gina, are you sure we're going the right way? I've never been lost in my life. <laughs> There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. starting with uh in my opinion this one's probably the the most horror heavy of the group and uh as far as you know a lot of these movies we're going to talk about today have an essence of fun to them um maybe there's some cheesiness to some there's some humor there's just some you know fun to be had this one i feel is uh maybe a bit different because i don't think there's any any joy to be found it's uh it's quite uh, it takes itself seriously and it's it's a it's very downbeat. Uh, if you like that kind of thing, um, this movie. What I love about it is, essentially, uh, this movie is scary before it becomes a horror movie. Is kind of what I like to tell people. It's a, uh, to me, it becomes a horror movie about fifty minutes in or fifty plus minutes. But before that, I'm I'm claustrophobic. I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm very uncomfortable. It's the story of uh, a group of friends, female friends, who all gather together, looks like once a year, to do some sort of uh, adventure, thrill kind of thing. You know, we start with them whitewater rafting, and uh, and we are hit before the opening credits with a very – she experiences a great loss. And this isn't a spoiler because it's before the credits. We're talking minutes in. Yeah. Uh, our main character loses her her husband and her young daughter in a very, uh, very shocking scene. Wait, it's, if, you know, beginning of a movie, you're kind of loose, maybe you're chatting with someone still, but this is that scene that tells you to 
oh shit, I better just, you just sit down and you're paying attention. You're, you're kind of off balance a little bit, I find. And, uh, you know, she wakes up in the hospital. Her friends are telling her that they're gone and she breaks down in tears and you feel, I do anyways, I felt that, that sorrow right in, in my gut. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the movie doesn't get happier. I won't say it's a lighter portion of the film, but uh, oh my gosh, yeah, it gets worse and worse, doesn't it? Is this, have you seen this before? Yeah, I had. Sheldon, had you? I don't think I have. I, I own it. I don't know how I came about to owning it, but I, I do own it. Um, and I'd never watched it before. It was one of those ones, but I, I found it and I was like, hey, cool. And uh, yeah, I, I, I got the same sort of impression. Like, that's a terrible thing. Um, we often kind of, I think, get desensitized by movies a little bit. And that's a terrible thing to think of, like, right happening right when you start. You know, it's like the worst thing that could almost ever happen to a person. Yeah. Is they'll lose their family, right? And, you know, so, yeah, it starts off on a pretty dark tone. <laughs> and I feel the way it's shot, it's a it's a very holy shit moment. Um, yeah. Because it's, the impact is felt. And uh, we meet this group again one year later. And, and you see that their relationships are a bit strained. In a way, it reminds me a bit of a, uh, of a Netflix movie that came out recently, uh, The Ritual. Uh, but th- that's a group of men that meet once a year. And you see that they've been friends forever, but maybe the friendship isn't what it used to be. And, uh, but there's definite tension with this group of girls. And this year, they're going to explore caves in, uh, in the Appalachians, I believe. And they, this is a, an activity which I admittedly could not do. I find I find this movie terrifying, you know, before it's a horror movie because they're crawling through these caverns uh, into the next opening. I mean, it's amazing. It's beautiful. But I could definitely not do that. That sound of their hard hats rubbing against the rock as they're crawling and no, you can't no. breathe. There's moments of this movie where I'm, I'm not breathing proper. No. Um, and of course, the, one of the, the caves collapses. They're trapped underground. And, you know, they've got. Their food is running out. The lights on their helmets are not going to last forever. They're, they don't know how to get out. And then all of us, and then, you know, they're in a bad situation. And then there's monsters. <laughs> so that's what I mean. I mean, they don't make an appearance until you're already like, these. this is a bad situation. And, and holy shit, now there's monsters. Uh, and it becomes a full out horror ride for the duration of the film afterwards. And it's a draining film. It really is. You feel yeah, exhausted yeah. afterwards. And I, up until that point, the monsters show up. Um, it's a realistic horror movie. Like this is something where you could just have for those who are. I'm not an outdoors person, or I would never. Tell them. I think you're 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 kind of. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not sure you would kind of do this kind of. And part of it is because um, the one friend there. Uh, I think it. I think it is Juno, uh, played yeah. by Natalie Mendoza, has thrown away the map and is going to a place that wasn't where they were actually supposed to go because it wasn't going to be enough of a thrill to go to like the standard uh, caves. Wanted to find this place that hadn't been explored or discovered uh, to their knowledge um, in there. And yeah, you're just watching it. And, and there's a, just the monsters are really truly introduced there's an even more claustrophobic moment, which is you're, you're just right in there with uh, our main character, uh, Sarah, played by Shauna McDonald. Um, and I, I don't know why I got this movie mixed up. It's all from the same decade. Like 
The Descent, The Cave, and yeah. The Shallows. Like, there's a lot of movies with the same titles, and I think that's just, like, the... I'm not sure there's much they could have done about that. I know they tried to... This is a British production, and they tried to rush it out in theaters before The Cave came out, which was an American film. This is a superior film, I think, of all of the three I just mentioned. But when these came out, I got them all kind of mixed up, and, and I was... I don't know why I just didn't think of, like for years, people would be telling me that Descent is one of the, truly one of the best horror movies, modern horror movies you, you could ever see. It was this viewing of it that I thought to myself, yeah, absolutely, I get it more now. Like I, I wasn't sure where it was gonna place with the six movies we're talking about. I, I knew it was the most seriously horrific film probably of, of the six we're looking at. Um, and it, it just went high up there uh, for me on on this this viewing. And Neil Marshall is a terrific uh, director and and a terrific director of horror movies as well, and, and does a great job. He had just previously Dog Soldiers, which is a film I still haven't been able to see. Scott, you've probably seen this one, which was a mostly male cast, and he, he then wanted to do a horror movie which was uh, primarily female cast. And he also, I guess, consulted a lot of his female friends to make sure that uh, the characters were, um, were, were real-life human beings and were not kind of types or wasn't kind of like a, a male perspective on women. Um, and I, I, I think it's very successful in, in everything. And, I mean, I, the, the only moment of levity I can think of is when they, when they arrive, even though there's this tension there, they're in this cottage or this cabin or something. Cabins, yeah. And the one, the one girl has these uh, pajamas that uh, look ridiculous, and everybody makes fun of her. And that, that's the only thing I can think of that is truly a light moment in this movie because it, like, the monsters are not the worst things that are happening here. Like, it just gets bleak, bleak, bleak right up until the last moment. I have some criticisms. I may be, and you can maybe weigh in. I don't want to say what it is necessarily, and you, unless you want to spoil, spoil, get into spoilers with this, but I could have done without the last shot. Like It seems like well, modern horror movies have to have this gotcha moment. That yeah. just seems to be what they have to have, this one last scare at the end. And I, I thought they did such a brilliant job of everything. They didn't need that. So that was kind of my last moment where I was like, oh, gosh, oh, maybe that's what... They they had an alternate ending for it, I think, didn't they? Yeah, yeah that's that's why I have to ask you, which which version did you watch? Did you watch the uncut, the director's version, or the one, the theatrical? Because they're quite, the endings are quite different. I, I yeah. don't own it, and I watched it off of Tubi. So okay. uh, uh, the ending I saw, and I don't remember, I think this is the one I saw the first time I watched The Descent, was I mean, sorry, spoilers. I would really encourage if you haven't seen The Descent to pause the podcast right now, watch it, have your own experience with it. But it's it's kind of the ghost moment. It's like she's in she's in the truck or in the car with her, and that. And oh then yeah. Yeah. That that's the the ending I have. Is there is there another ending which is better? I will I will say yes. The uh, see I have the Blu-ray of it, and on this it's the uncut version. Uh, which is superior because that isn't the final shot of the movie in the uncut version. It, it goes there. You see that her, you know, her friend in the truck, the little kind of ghost weird moment. And she screams. The next shot is her waking, waking up and she is still in the cave and she has just gone 
she thinks she's out. She's she's gone mentally, and uh, and which is way better. Wait, it, and it's, you know, the camera zooms out. She sees her daughter there. She thinks her daughter is there with her birthday cake. She has these visions of her daughter throughout the movie yeah. on her birthday. And uh, and the, the creepy thing is she she gets up, and, you know, she sort of looks like one of these crawling creatures at this point, but she's smiling. And, yeah. uh, and but she's there forever now. Um, and, and the camera pans out and it's a, it's a downer ending. Uh, is it better ending for her to be out? And just insane now, um, maybe I guess. But uh, this, I, I think, is the stronger ending. There is a sequel to this movie, yes. and uh, the sequel follows the theatrical ending, where where she yeah. gets out. Um, right. I didn't the, hear great things about the sequel. I don't know. Uh, no, because the, the thing with the descent is that it goes so long before these creatures appear that you know there's hints of something going on down there other than them being trapped but mm -hmm. it goes long enough that you might forget after a while that you're watching a horror movie and then bang it reminds you um with the descent too there's no mystery you know what's in this cave yeah. and what they're going into um but uh, if you if you can uh, the director's cut is is that ending is way better because it, it makes more sense than because you know she's not seeing this it's not really happening um that she's never gets out and, and i just I, I question why that wasn't the the only ending like why they had to i i believe the reason was it was screened and uh they said we need a happier ending that this is too this is too sad this is too negative um, <laughs> i don't know if that was a happier ending though. <laughs> no. well maybe better than i guess i don't know better than that but no i i just don't i just don't like something which you, where i kind of Feels like from a different movie, or it kind of feels like BS. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah that sounds way better. So I, I'm I'm not gonna cut points for that, but I just everything up to it uh, was was great. I, I think it helps that um, at least on this side of the pond, I we don't really uh, know as many of these actors. So they are to me, they are the characters that they play. I'm not distracted that there's a uh, there's Shirley's their own, or there's yeah. uh, you know um, Kate Beckinsale, like you name it, right? So I, I I think that 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 works well, and I, I guess all of the caves very impressive. They had me fooled. They were, they were all stacked, and uh, they, they wanted to shoot in caves, but it was just not practical. So uh, yeah, so my thumb is way 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 up on this one, uh, and got him. Think guessing because you you picked it, your your thumbs way up too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, I enjoy it, and uh, it kind of it's one I, I like to recommend to people. And uh, so, if I could, you know, help someone else see it and and uh, have a chat about it, I was looking forward to that. Uh, it's it's vicious though. It is violent uh, oh, yeah. once it hits. I'm not sure if the regular cut, maybe the director's uncut, maybe has a bit more blood sprays. I'm not sure, but uh, um, maybe you you, ha you have to be uh, able to take that kind of thing, but. Uh, uh, I think the effects are, are pretty good too, for the most part. Um, you know, there's a bone sticking through a leg. My wife watched it, and yeah. she's just like, "Oh, oh. yeah, that's, a, that's always a good one to put in there every once in a while." A good bone sticking out. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like they did most of it without too much CGI. Uh, there are like two moments where I, I kind of noticed a bit. One was you know a bunch of bats flying out, where it looked a little bit not right. And uh, one of the final shots of these crawlers on the roof, um, but uh, very quick, forgivable. Um, there's almost a found footage moment, which was a really good little jump scare when they first see these creatures just standing behind her. Um, 
I think if you like uh, a horror movie to be uh, not too cheerful and maybe make you a little uncomfortable, um, that's a good one to check out. And I, I like that you don't see much of them. I mean, I think that was wise. It's all in shadows so that those the special effects and the makeup effects don't look too, you know, take us out of the movie as much. So it's very well put together. Sheldon, what was your, like, overall thought about uh, The Descent? Uh Overall, like it was, yeah, of course, it was an extremely, it was a terrifying movie. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I like a good adventure. I, <laughs> I used to be a like a guide in in a very northern area <laughs> of of Canada, and so, like, I, I just, I, I don't think I would ever do what they were doing, <laughs> though, ever in my wildest dreams. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty large person so i don't I, for one like i i do start to get claustrophobic in in spaces like that like it 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 freaks me out <laughs> i i really don't like it at all so yeah it's a very uncomfortable movie at times to watch but it's also um entertaining at the same time like you you want to the story is kind of nice enough that it, it keeps you wanting to see what's going to happen next and then they throw in the monsters and it takes it to that kind of next level, right? So it was it was a terrifying horror movie, in in, in my opinion. Um, and pretty good performances all around. Like that, that's the thing. A lot of these uh, films that I kind of watched throughout the month, I started to appreciate a lot more of the performances of certain actors. Like it, they're, they're trying trying their hardest. I guarantee you, they're acting their butt off uh, to to do some of the stuff that you have to do um, to be in a movie like this, but. Uh, so yeah, no, I don't know that I I would never put myself in that situation as an adventurist, as an as a an outdoors person, uh, and yeah, I, I I would an avid outdoors enthusiast. I would never do something some of the stuff that they were doing, but um, it's just not logical. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess if if I was to sum it up with one word. But uh, no, it was a, it was a great movie. Like I can't take away from its entertainment value as a horror movie. It was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I, I feel like, with the exception of two of the characters, the characters in here wouldn't have done that either if they had had the full yeah. story and they had known what was really going on. Oh, for sure. Part of it is in this friendship. There's a there's some secrets and lies, and there's really a key thing draws them I into that, that situation. I guess right. I noticed in the first scene what that tension was going to be it was so obvious um yeah. but but you know marshall uh he was patient enough to introduce and have this reveal about it later in the film late in the film which leads to some kind of tragic uh, consequences so kind of the uh the, the the human on human tension as well as the uh, character versus nature and the character versus monsters it's all in this film. Like by the end, you'll have gone to the movies if you see The Descent. Uh, it's yeah, I agree. It's not a fun horror movie, and it might not be for everybody. But I I, I think you can't dismiss it as a, a no. solid solid film. So solid film is right. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to say about that? Uh, it before we move on to Sheldon's first pick. I, I could uh, picture this. I, I imagine this must have been an exhausting. Draining shoot, though, too. Uh, you know, as far as the the actresses involved, uh, there's just so much they're asked to do. You know, it's pretty physical, and the amount there's there's crying and there's a lot of screaming and mm -hmm. and just you know, I guess you're saying it sets, but uh, you know, I'm sure they're done it well enough. They're feeling that they're you know in these tight 
corridors and, and everything. But, uh, uh, and you know, they're going to need a good shower to, to wash themselves off after this is done. Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, even sets or otherwise, they, they simulated everything as much as they possibly could so that you're getting real reactions from the actors. And I think they're very, very talented cast. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, for, for this one. And um, I, I like, I know it's set in the U.S., but it's not actually an American production. And I, I do think people, I, I over the last few years, I've been looking beyond the U.S. for horror movies. And I've been very, very uh, pleased with what I've seen, particularly British horror movies. They've got a certain nastiness to them that um, I don't think uh, Hollywood studios allow. So Yeah, I guess all, all I got to say is that it, I am a fan. It's, it's a favorite of mine. Yep. Appreciate Great choice. Thank you for, uh, for picking that one. Um, so I think we're all agreeing we're all in the same place here. So that's that's great. Sheldon, what is the uh, first of uh, your picks? Well, um, to uh, probably to start it off, I, I, I don't know. I, I picked, I think, the movie that I enjoy the best. Um, so you probably know what that is or enjoy the most, I should say, is uh, Maximum Overdrive. Hi. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories, and I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. Who was driving it? I don't know. Curtis, it's coming after us! It was my first picture as a director. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. What is going on? I don't know! I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let us be in the dark. Help me. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And that's a promise. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming in here. Maximum King. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. I was very excited, I guess, by the, the Halloween sort of horror aspect of the challenge to be able to watch uh, this movie for any excuse to watch it, I, I enjoy. And I don't know why, I, I guess maybe I, I, I grew up around uh, a lot of vehicles and stuff like that. And so every time I, and you know, that was probably in the 80s and 90s. And so I remember a lot of these vehicles and it, it just kind of takes you back in, in terms of a nostalgic uh, way right off the bat, but uh, that was the one I I wanted to kind of pick first. This was, uh, of course, written and uh, directed by Stephen King. So well, yeah, yeah. Well, one of one of the uh, only movies, I guess, Stephen King. You would know a lot more about the it than, than I do. Yeah, the only right that he's ever directed. That 
and and that in itself i don't know it says something about the movie i'm not sure exactly uh about the film that that uh <laughs> i don't know what it says but it says something right off the bat um but yeah i know the general premise um and this is actually quite interesting because just recently in in the news here there was a green comet that was uh, or it, that was passing close to earth i guess or something like that and it appeared green and um, you could hardly see it unless you had a huge telescope or something like that. It's so far away, you'd never uh, see it. But that's kind of how the movie starts is um, there's a, a comet headed towards or an asteroid. I guess it's a comet, I believe. It's a comet. And, and it, it's a big green comet and it comes near and just all of the machines, everything that is possibly mechanized. Um, starts turning against humans, and right off the bat, the, one of the funnier things: the ATM starts swearing at one of the guys as he starts to take out cash. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, himself. <laughs> yeah Stephen King's cameo. It's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Hey, Jim, me an asshole, honey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but that kind of scene right off the bat. Uh, of course, it's Stephen King, but yeah, it uh, it, it it sure sets the tone. Uh, for the rest of the movie, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. I think at that moment, and uh, it gets there pretty quickly, and I like that. It, 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 I don't know. This movie I used to watch when I was uh, a, a younger guy. This was the uh, personal favorite, I think, of the horror challenge. Uh, day 18, I believe it was. Yeah, it was personal favorite. So this is one. I don't know. I, I used to watch a lot of, and I talk about this. I, I might even have talked about this in the other podcast. I used to watch a lot of CBC. Uh, late nights and used to see maximum overdrive on cbc late nights all the time and that was that was kind of why it became sort of a personal favorite for me but so all the machines start turning against each other and and that goes for vehicles and everything and you find a group of people get trapped in a gas station it's it's a very similar i think start to a lot of horror movies but then all of these uh big semi-trailers start showing up and of course they all want gas and they want to well of course somebody has to pump the gas but everywhere in the world it's complete anarchy of course every machine there's planes crashing out of nowhere and uh just so many cool scenes with uh things crashing and running into each other and trucks hitting people that happens left right and center um, I don't know what else you could say about the movie. Eventually, um, uh, in terms of plot, I don't want to completely spoil it if nobody's ever seen it. But <laughs> uh, but there's there's some some great things that happen in the gas station in, in terms of trucks and and the various ways that people are sort of extinguished by the the trucks and they kind of play games on each other. And it, I just kind of like that machine against human sort of aspect. It, you know, definitely reminds me of movies like uh, Terminator movies and stuff where you have that same sort of technology-based man versus technology thing. But uh, it's just so cool. I, I don't know. In terms of directing, I don't know. Stephen King, I'm, he did, like, I, I don't know how you could do a terrible job of directing your own. Like, obviously, he did it the way that he wanted to do it, I guess. I don't know. I, I You would know more about it than I do, Jason. But um, it, I if I ever wrote something to this um, magnitude that Stephen King has written um, and I directed it, I, I would do it exactly the way I wanted to do it. I, I wouldn't care what anybody thought. <laughs> but I don't know. It's, you I know. Guess 
Only question is, would you do it uh, while snorting a mountain of coke every day? <laughs> well, if that was that's what it takes. <laughs> just, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But yeah, well, you could get into uh, you know every single. Uh, performance of every single movie or every director in every movie oh, yeah. i'm sure was 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 at some point on some sort of a narcotic or something but uh, no it's, it's just a great show and and um you know some of the best scenes i think of course uh, there's a, a part where one of the gas station attendants has to go well she doesn't have to go she goes outside I, and she starts screaming at the machines the and yeah, the waitress, and, and well, you know, sir, or whatever, and, and she just, just like that. Yeah. yeah, and and that's definitely in the eighties. That's how she would be represented. Like if, if you were to see it, it would be said it would be like waitress. That's what uh, she's her sort of costume, I guess you could say, is. And and she just gets lit up by a fifty caliber machine gun, and, and that's essentially what I, I I like about Maximum Overdrive. It takes it uh, to a, a severe degree, but. There's also some cool lines in it, you know. Uh, she starts screaming, you know, "We made you!" That that famous sort of scene. But anyway, I, I I don't I shouldn't ruin the the entire movie. It's it's just one of my favorites, and uh, the the coolest scene, or I guess one of the coolest scenes, when the the Joker sort of uh, aspect truck. The, the It's a toy tr truck, a semi trailer. It's got the the huge green goblin on the front. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, like if if I could have a, a poster of that on my wall, or if I could make a big three uh, D thing of that, that would be awesome. That would be wonderful. yeah. That's that's kind of the iconic image that yeah. you left with a eh? that Green Goblin truck. Exactly. And, and I think I was I'm not sure if you're the same age area around, but I felt like this movie was made for me at that time. It's it's yeah. made for a teenage boy that, that oh, wants for sure. to see you know trucks killing people for no reason but it was just perfect right and then yeah throw a green goblin face on it and that's the coolest truck i've ever seen and well for sure uh and you know they do a decent job of it if you want to talk about special effects like it's actually not that bad um but you can tell like it's a you know sort of 80-ish typed horror movie you know they sort of do the best they can with the props that i'm they had but sometimes those like real sort of props that they use uh, end up looking quite gruesome you know but uh yeah it, it's a, it's not not a lot of cg and stuff like that and i believe it was made uh 1986 I think it was. Yeah. yeah 1986 it was released so but of course you've got emilio estevez he's he's one of uh one of my favorite uh older sort of 90s actors i don't know i like the guy I liked Mighty Ducks. It was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always good to see him. And I don't know, he, he was a younger actor there. I think he was definitely a little bit different of an actor than what he sort of uh, matured to be, I think, in, in terms of his, his roles and kind of his acting in general. And he was a younger guy. I don't know. He, he hated, I guess, his performance. I read a an interview he hated his performance and even his mother asked him like why the heck did you make that movie or something like that because it was just just she thought it was so bad and he, yeah. he regretted making it i guess like that. but in all i don't know i i loved it it's one of my my cherished childhood uh horror movie experiences and uh that's why i'll, I'll always love that movie so i'm glad emilio uh, was in it he, he was great scott what do you think of it 
Um, well, I kind of similar. Um, I, I smile throughout. It's one of those movies that it just made me smile as soon as it starts because it brings me back to 1986, 1987, 1988. Those, you know, I was probably seen it on VHS and rent it, you know, every couple months. And then you'd, it would be on Super Channel or something. Then you'd see it on a TV version. It, it was very available to us at that age. So um, it, it's familiar. And uh you got to mention the ACDC soundtrack. Was oh, yeah, and I forgot it. about that. You know, I totally um, forgot. I meant to mention that, but yeah, go on. Especially, uh, you know, who made who was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the theme of it. You know, that waitress, she's yelling, we made you. And you know, that's a reference to the song too. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but everything, you know, it had like about five, six ACDC songs, you know, familiar ones. But then it was the, uh, the soundtrack was also, you know, in between the action scenes were all just, uh, you know, Angus playing guitar and it was mm-hmm. – uh, it, it, you know, I had that soundtrack on cassette as well, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a big one. Um, but it, yeah, it kind of uh, put it back into that era too, just all the familiar ACDC tracks. Um, you talked about uh, some of your favorite scenes, you know, with the trucks hitting people, and, and it was done well. You know, they, you know, they just cut quick enough, but you'd see it hit something, mm-hmm. and you're sure that, that looked like it hit the guy, really. Yeah, but, yeah that looked like an actual person. <laughs> um, yeah, one that always stood out to me as a kid was when the uh, the pop machine attacks uh, the baseball coach. Oh yeah, uh, right. Uh, that was uh, it's it shoots a pop can out and hits the coach of this baseball team right in the head, and it, it's pretty gruesome effect where his uh, his head's indented where the can hit him, and <laughs> there's like dead kids laying all over the baseball field and they're running away and uh, you know stuff like that. An electric knife comes to life, cuts a lady on the wrist. Is a, even when this little kid's riding his bike through the neighborhood and he's seeing all the destruction that's going on. There's a you know a bloody lawnmower. Um, just one of the, he looks in a window and he sees a girl strangled by her hair dryer cord. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure how that happened, but <laughs> but just kind of cool images that you get to see there. Um, and you talked about the uh, you mentioned Stephen King directing it, and Jason kind of referenced you know where his, his state of mind was maybe at that period. Um, you you have to mention the trailer to this movie, and that'll kind of you know, if you see that if you know what I'm talking about, it's yeah. the one where he's looking straight at the camera, you know, both eyes going different directions. And kind of, he says something along the lines that I've learned if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Something and, like that, yeah. Yeah, and he said, uh, I'm going to scare the hell out of you. <laughs> he just looks insane, like uh, yeah. at the high point of cocaine or whatever he is on. But, Think of uh, the directors who had taken on his material before 1986. Exactly. Brian De Palma with Carrie. Yeah. John Carpenter with Christine. Stanley Kubrick with The Shining. I know yeah. he, he didn't like that version, and I, I get why he doesn't like that version of The Shining. But George A. Romero himself, you know, had worked with King, and apparently, rumor is he was on set a lot. And uh, King went into rehab for his cocaine habit while the film was being shot. And it's possible that George A. Romero did a bit of cleanup. <laughs> uh, whether that I wasn't on set at the time, I can't. I didn't witness yeah. it myself. But this is uh, you never know. You around this, uh, <laughs> around this movie. Well, well, um, well, uh... <laughs> you know the weirdest thing, and, and I, people know me. Know I'm a Stephen King fan. I've read nearly everything that he's 
I'm working on reading fairy tale right now. And uh, this is based on a short story called Trucks. There's actually, right. this is one of two film versions. There was one called Trucks after this. I've never watched it. I'm, Scott, I don't know if you have. Yeah, I'm aware of it, but uh, I never took the time to watch it. Uh, I thought, you know, Maximum Overdrive was probably good enough to tell the story. <laughs> Not sure what they would really have to add on to it, but. You see, I, I had always, I this is my first time actually watching it start to finish. It, you're right, it was on uh -huh. TV all the time mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And I would always start off watching it. I would see the setup and I pretty much see almost like into the second act, but then I wouldn't see the end of the movie. So this was my first time watching it start to finish. And of course, with a very critical eye, what surprised me, because I was pretty excited and I like, see, I, I'm, I had to go through a little bit. To, it's tough to get your hands on a copy of this movie now, and I, I got a copy of it. Like, everything's so over the top, and you've described some of the most colorful stuff that I kind of thought was, like, interesting in an over-the-top B-movie type of way, but it's bonkers production. What surprised me, though, was in the middle, and a little bit into the third act, I actually am probably going to be breaking your heart here with this one. It drags. I, I got a little bit bored with some of the middle stuff in the stuck in the gas station and trying to figure out different things to do. And it like I, I feel like it's a short story for a reason. And it might be a better. And I say this with a lot of of King short stories that get turned into feature length films. That it might be better in an anthology, like a creep show type of a um, where like it's it's fast and the get the premise out there, but doesn't have to spend as much time because we have a lot of characters that get stuck in the that kind of restaurant gas station area and they all have their different arcs and everything. And um, not all of them were uh, that great. I, yeah, Estevez does his job. He, he's, he's fine. I don't think he's particularly great um, in it. Um, but the other person who said they just hate their performance and they wish they had never done it is Yeardley Smith, who, if people don't know who he is, that's the voice of Lisa Simpson. And you'll lose the voice right away. And she plays this newlywed who, with her, she's going on a honeymoon. She still is in her wedding dress for God knows what reason. But yeah. um, she, she, she's with uh, her, her husband. And uh, they encounter these machines on the road, and then they end up in the gas station. And uh, her performance is so difficult to take because she's got that shrill voice, which works so well for animation. Um, and I just saw her uh, in, in another movie recently, and um, uh, Toys, the Barry Levinson film. She has a small right. role in that. And it really wasn't bothering me at all in that. But in this one, she's having to scream a lot and yell, and it just becomes so grating that I can't and cannot stand the scenes that she's in. And I, I, I'm not sure it's completely her fault, but I, Stephen King also, God bless him, and he does appear in a lot of cameos in a lot of his work. He he is not the best actor. No, 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 no I, of course not. <laughs> he just let the actors do whatever they wanted. Fortunately, he had some pretty good actors just because Stephen King movies in the 80s were a licensed print money and oh, of course. people's careers. But um, very, uh, it's so sad that he's, he's not in the movie long. Giancarlo Esposito, terrific actor. And he's, he's the one who gets the, the video game machine, the, the oh. video game film. 
it's hard to recognize. I like, I mean, he's become a, an elite actor from the Mandalorian and Bear Call Saul mm-hmm. and Breaking Bad. The TV right. stuff he's done. He's, he's been around forever. What, he's a great actor. Frankie Faison is uh, this, he was on the TV show, The Wire. He's one of those actors that if you see the face, you know, uh, he, he's actually the truck driver who comes in before everything kind of goes to hell. Um, he's good. He's pretty solid. So some some of the actors can. I, I wouldn't say Estevez should be that ashamed with his performance. It just I don't think so. It just wasn't anything special. And he's our dynamic movie star leading man in the in the film. But I was really surprised because I am an apologist for some pretty bad Stephen King. Like I'm the <laughs> only person. That and it's funny that you mentioned the pop can sequence because it reminded me so much of the Tommy Knockers, and which oh. was another book that King wrote when he was like drugged out and and, and drinking <laughs> and he doesn't remember making it. But uh, there's a similar beat to that, like he so it's kind of a thing that he had there. But I'm an apologist for that miniseries, which is considered one of the worst movies of all time. And I like The Lawnmower Man, which is even King took his name off of it. I don't mind having like uh, over the top B movie, you know, a good time with a uh, over the top bad, like bad premise or something where things are all over the place. But this one seemed to lose some momentum for me. Like the, the first act is so hyper energetic and and creative and interesting. And then it feels like it kind of goes to sleep for a bit. And then it's kind of weird third actor, they're trying to escape. And that that has some excitement to it, I guess. But there's a lull. You're, you're not wrong. There's a yeah, lull. I, I with the unnecessary kind of love story that they have a hard time with it. So I don't know. Yeah. And I know you really like this movie, Shelton. So I that's as far as I know. But, I, but you uh, know, and, and I do, but like I don't know if I um like if I had to be very specific, I don't love the movie because of its um, sort of plot and yeah, I don't know, sort of um, which you know, like I understand, like I, I, I completely understand, and I look for that in movies. But for this one, um, like I think Scott was mentioning that I forgot to mention, like just the soundtrack uh, with the ACDC playing in the background, and you know the. Uh, just the different guitar riffs and and sort of sound effects and stuff that it has. It sounds really cool on a large set of speakers <laughs> that, that can actually like uh, give it its uh, due diligence in terms of sound projection. Um, and that I think adds to it. Like, I agree with you, like Jason, it, it, it's, you know, probably the story could be like you say like a shorter story or you know a shorter movie or something like that but uh with all the other elements that's what made it kind of an awesome movie uh in terms of something that i like scott was saying too i watched when i was younger and it was it just i don't know uh one of those movies that you always want to watch because it takes you back to a different time and and to kind of and it all looks like that era you know and that's the thing it, it, all of the vehicles and everything it definitely not easy to make a movie like that to to period uh nowadays you know like you would have to find vehicles from from that era and uh it's it's just a lot it'd be a lot more work now than definitely what it was back then but it is what it is and that's why i like it so i i don't i would never uh be upset if if somebody calls it what it is but uh and, and that's that's exactly what it is it's it's a it's good for a a watch and just to listen to really loud <laughs> like like a lot of horror horror movies kind of are and and uh that's it's 
that's it's sort of a, a shut off your brain sort of movie. Yeah. So that's that's the type of movie it is for me for sure. Like shut off your brain, just watch, listen to the the soundtrack, and just sort of enjoy people getting hit by trucks. Yeah, <laughs> on that level, I think it, 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 yeah, you're you're right on rewards for that, and I guess I'm maybe over analyzing it as I tend to do. Uh, I want to mention two two bits of trivia. Uh, ACDC agreed to do this. King wanted to put them in the film, but they said, we're not actors. We aren't going to do that. Uh, and they weren't going to do the soundtrack, but then King went and he, I forget which song, but he sang a song for them start to finish to prove what a fanboy he is for ACDC. And they were like, okay, if he's this big a fan, we'll, we'll do the soundtrack. And they, you know, cool. you know, yeah. uh, they kind of did the one or maybe two original songs. Another one that I, I just don't think this was the most professional or safe of sets uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> the director of photography lost his eye. Well, yeah. yeah. When when this one bit went wrong and sued Stephen King for millions of dollars, because I mean that was basically his livelihood. I almost am more fascinated by the behind the scenes stuff than the actual movie that we we get. But it takes <laughs> a big imagination to take a big swing like this. And even if for me it was a miss, and for others it was. It was a solid hit. Is there anything else either of you like, would like to say about Maximum Overdrive? I think I'm good. I think I gave it its, uh, as much of a shake as you can without completely explaining the, the whole plot. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's worth watching. But, yeah, don't be expecting something. Uh, it's not Shakespeare. It, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's not bloody William Shakespeare. No, it's, uh, it, it's not the most. Uh, what's that? Sorry. Bloody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's great for a laugh and it's entertaining. But yeah, no, it's not. It's not the most um, greatest movie in terms of a production or or. It's worth it's watching. Enjoyable. Yeah, it's enjoyable. It's it's worth 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 watching for sure. But that's what honestly, I think. Just in closing, that's a lot of the movies <laughs> that I've I've seen in, in you know horror movies. Like they're just great to watch. But there's not a whole lot uh, in terms of the production <laughs> sometimes. It's more fun than the descent. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. Yes. Carl, yes. Carl, is there anything else you wanted to say about Maximum Overdrive? Yeah, there was just one thing. I, I After all these years of watching it, I never really noticed one thing. And I, I, my wife had never seen it. So I, I said, well, you, you can watch this one. It'll be fine. And she's, I don't think she enjoyed it as much as I did. She, but uh, she likes him to be a bit more realistic, I think. But. Um, <clears throat> all the trucks are coming to life. Everything that's plugged in comes to, you know, and it's all becoming anti-human and, and trying to kill us. But one thing we, I never noticed is the cars don't like actual, you know, sedans, cars, the, the trucks are all evil. But then she's like, asking me like, how come the cars don't try and kill people? And, but you know, you notice the trucks actually blow up the cars. And then I, yeah. I, I just think, Hmm. I, I, I think it's because our characters need a way to travel to get to this uh, truck stop. And, yeah. and then that's it. Um, because, yeah, I started wondering that, too. I said, hey, wait a second. How come they're driving their cars? They're okay. Um, just, uh, you know, it took me, you know, what, 30 years for me to <laughs> catch on to that. So it's not a real complaint. But, you know, well, after seeing it, something that many times, you have to find something maybe. But. Is there one point that they just stop driving cars, I think? But I don't know. Maybe that's how they get away from that sort of. Yeah, like, well, the, new, the, newly, the newlyweds drive their car. And yeah. to get into the truck yeah. stop, right? And yeah. uh, they're in control of it. Yeah, that, that part's interesting. Also, I, I, I kept thinking, like, when they get to the water towards the end of the film as well, that maybe uh, the, the boats or something would kind of go evil. But yeah, why not? really, the source material is a story called Trucks, and strictly about trucks 
just one day getting a mind of their own. Uh, it wasn't, he, he started, like he kind of introduced the ATM machines and all of these other things early in the film, which I could, I, I think could confuse some folks that it's like, like the Terminator 2 type of idea, like rise of machines or something. But really it's, it's meant to be the trucks, I think only not not even the cars i have no idea why that would be and yeah, why weird. aliens would be or a, a comet or whatever is causing this effect in the world well they they uh, say like uh ask these questions we're just supposed to sit back and enjoy the show yeah, well, well that's what happens at the end is they say that there was a ufo that was <laughs> yes. within the atmosphere of the earth and uh as a soviet it would wouldn't be uh rush it would be the soviets uh, satellite that was armed with a laser beam and and something and uh, <laughs> missiles blew it out of the sky. Apparently, that's, that's right. Well, it, it, yeah. it has that little science paragraph. Holds up. The science. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is one funny thing. It does. It has a paragraph at the end just to kind of wrap it up. Oh, yeah. by the way, there was UFO and then the satellite blew this up and, then, and that's yeah. why my wife kind of threw her hands up. Saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and everyone's okay. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's not going to be the only descriptor that we talk about where there's some question marks, but uh, but that's that's good. I, I've actually had more fun talking to the two of you about this movie than I had personally watching it. But, uh, I think we'll transition now into my first pick. Yeah, we're we're not getting any less over the top with with this one, but uh, I I decided to choose one where my first impression watching it in theaters in the '90s completely has changed to the positive for a movie called The Faculty. No more pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. The students at Harrington High have always suspected their teachers were from another planet. Is this going to be on the test? This is the test. This time, they're right. These six students won't just question authority, they'll have to destroy it. Critics are calling it hip and scary. A thrilling ride from beginning to end. The Faculty. Please report to the principal's office. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. And again, uh, Kevin Williamson of Scream fame was connected to it. And a few other producers, The especially he who shall not be named was connected to it. But um, I'm not sure I, I maybe went in. I don't know what I, I was looking for scream or what I was looking for or desperado or I, I, I had ideas about what this movie would be probably when I was younger and I didn't get the movie that I thought it was going to be. And I thought it's okay. Not great. Watching it now, these years later, I don't know what was wrong with me because the faculty is a whole ton of fun. Um, <laughs> In a similar kind of mysterious alien-like situation, an alien has decided to, through the water system, and to infect the teachers in a suburban high school, and then spread that out, of course, to the parents and to the students. And there's only a team, a small team of these teenage kids who are all from different cliques. Think Breakfast Club, if you want. Uh, and some of them really don't like each other, and but they have to unite together uh, to to battle uh, this force, which is um, 
oddly enough, kind of calming the high school down. Because when we first see the high school, it doesn't look like <laughs> the best place to go to school where people are just getting like beaten up right outside the front door and there are car crashes and people are just seem to absolutely hate each other and insult each other, which again, that certainly is a factor in high school even to this day. But sometimes. Um, I don't know. Maybe now it's because I'm I've been in high school for 20 years <laughs> as a faculty member um, that I get a kick out of this. But I really do get a kick out of the, the the film. These movies always had a strong opening, and each time I watch it, I get something new. We have the school politics, which I mean I think was is is kind of true. Like there's there's not enough money. Uh, for all of these different programs and not enough money for the school musical. And the person delivering this is B.B. Newworth, who's the principal. She is a Broadway legend for musicals. <laughs> Chicago was like one of her great roles, also known as Lella from Cheers. Um, and then uh, and then after this meeting has happened and then she's, she's still kind of in, in the building there, she's singing away to uh, Broadway songs as she's going back to her office, which is something I didn't pick up on before. And and there's this thing about, well, we, oh, you're going to have to reuse the set from the production of Our Town last year. That's a Peter <laughs> joke. Our Town has no set. So, <laughs> um, so there's all those things there. And like the, the town supports football and, uh, and all the money goes to the football team. The coach is like the biggest bully played beautifully by Robert Patrick of yeah. Terminator 2 fame there. And yeah. just the cast is so good. It was like a weird mix of adult actors combined with these up and coming young stars. Everybody's solid. I mean, John Stewart, years before The Daily Show, is this nerdy science teacher. Selma Hayek, uh, now I might argue that she doesn't have as much of a role. They could have done more with that character, but she's the school nurse. Um, I, I just had a whole bunch of fun with it. And, and the fact Josh Hart, uh, Hartnett, who was kind of mixed in with a bunch of these young Heath Ledgers and, and people of that time, I got them a little bit all mixed up, uh, but he's very good. And I, I think that one of the, the best parts in it is like the, the, the big druggie and drug dealer in the school happens to be the smartest person in this movie, like one of the smartest and his drugs are the way to combat these aliens. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it, there's there's so much fun to be had with this. So, um, I it has its problems. Uh, there's a really unfortunate line about Schindler's List that's in there, um, mm, yeah. which you know I guess was an issue. There's some kind of a '90s politically incorrect stuff, I suppose, in there. There's the odd line here there, which isn't doesn't seem to work as well, but. Again, are, are we there for that kind of analysis of it? Maybe because Williamson was involved that I, I think his scripts were kind of at a higher level at that time. Um, but he was also being spread pretty thin because he had become the guy uh, in Hollywood at that time for horror scripts, especially youth horror scripts. And he was trying to direct his own movie at the same time. And this was a for hire job for Robert Rodriguez. This doesn't seem to fit. If you look at Robert Rodriguez films in his canon, it's a kind of its own thing, but he brings like that B movie horror quality that he brought to like from *Dust Till Dawn* and 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 some some other films along the way that 
that works quite well here. So it borrows a lot. It borrows um, quite a bit from the thing, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, they make great references to Robert Heinlein, a great science fiction writer, uh, and I, I appreciated all of all of that dialogue and all of those pieces in there too. So I'm gushing a bit, but I really like the faculty, and I, I wish I could go back in a time machine and slap the younger version of myself upside the head and say, "What's wrong with you, Jason? This is a good time. Embrace it. Have fun." So that is the one that I, uh, my first one that I'm bringing forward to you, gentlemen. What do you think of the faculty? Well, um, yeah, no, I, I, I really like the movie. Actually, um, I, I've always liked that movie. Uh, I would have been watching quite a few movies in, in the late 90s uh used to rent movies all the time and this is one i'm sure i rented quite a few times i think i ended up buying it eventually um but yeah it's it, it it's a very fun movie i i've always kind of liked it but like i said i hardly ever watch it because i don't know it's just uh one of those ones that you sort of forget about sometimes actually i i find but uh it's sort of, I guess that speaks to what kind of movie it was. I think at the time there was a lot of movies like that coming out, yeah. um, you know, and, and uh, sort of they all um, fit that certain sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess mold of, of, of what movies were like in that, that sort of time period when it came out. So I think it was 1999, I believe it came. 98. 98. Okay, 98, 99. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a great show. I, I enjoyed it. I I you know as a uh an educator i i i, I don't know it's uh uh definitely uh, all those movies you know you kind of enjoy them on on some of those levels you you see uh you know how they've kind of tried to cash capture some of the uh stereotypes definitely that would go along with with high school uh situations and then just sort of expand on that but uh, yeah, of course, there's the alien aspect to it. Um, and like you said, it borrows from a lot of, I think, other movies for sure. It's kind of a bit predictable in that respect, I guess. But uh, super fun and enjoyable to watch well, especially like, at the same time. Yeah, because yeah. they, they reference Body Snatchers quite a bit. Yeah. As far as, you know, like, like, you know, there's a science fiction fan in the group. And yeah. so, well, this is kind of like, you know, body snatchers. Well, how did it end? And did they all work out in the end? No, no, everybody died. <laughs> but uh, and I usually look for a way to describe a movie briefly and give it something. And that's kind of how I would describe this as body snatchers for the Scream generation. Yeah. Um, you know, Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer. It was around that time when those were big. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they said, well, what if we had Invasion of the Body Snatchers put it into high school? Let these kids kind of have their own version of it. And, uh, and in that way, I thought it was a lot of fun because a lot of the kids that age seeing that movie in theaters maybe have heard their parents talk about Body Snatchers, but they had not seen it themselves. So it was nice to have, you know, a version of it made for them, I guess. Um, and you mentioned the connection with The Thing uh, earlier then, and there's definitely a scene in there, especially that it's, you know, in The Thing, there's the blood test. That's the famous scene where they're testing which one of them is infected or has The Thing inside them. Uh, there's a scene. Their version of the the blood test is, of course, snorting the uh, the drugs up their nose and see who reacts poorly to it, which is kind of a, a perfect high school version of uh, of that exact scene in the thing. Um, of course, it kind of plays into some hilarity then because now they're high 
and uh, and now they have to fight these aliens, but uh, they're giggling at the same time. Yeah. A, Having a great time doing it. <laughs> My word, like the, the the payoff to that scene is so clever, and on like when you rewatch it, I've watched it now, I guess three times over. Then I when I know what's going to happen and what the plot twist is. Uh, there, there's a lot of hints and there's a lot of interesting stuff to kind of watch, uh, watch watching that that scene. That scene is a like a key. It's a centerpiece in the film and it kind of leads into the third act, which is all action. I, I don't know if I would call it predictable though, Sheldon. I mean, I, nope. I just think that the, the, the visual choices and some of the like the things that are are done are just uh, like so creative and, and and so big and kind of go against some. Some archetypes and some cliches. Uh, yeah, for sure, I would and, agree and with that. That's yeah. our. I mean, spoilers. Like our, our friend John Stewart, friendly science teacher. Uh, he has a pretty grisly death, but that is so so well done. And uh, the scene in the gym with BB Newworth, and I mean, I I, I really like that. Exciting. Uh, you know, the of course the, the football game's happening. Lots of kind of interesting other homages to to other films. Like, I mean, I mentioned Robert Patrick, Robert Patrick early on starts chasing after somebody and it's the same shot from the James Cameron used in Terminator two, when he's got his head forward and he's, <laughs> and he's running there like that. I, again, they, I don't think they're, they aren't like ripping these movies off. They're celebrating them, which a lot of nineties movies were very meta and, and in that way and would talk about what's going on. Yeah. Um, the other Thing I, or performance I kind of want to point out is uh, Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie, uh, if you don't know, was uh, Carrie's mom in Almost uh, Carrie. And she has this look, like as an actor, I, I have seen her in a bunch of, of, of movies. She has like the most horrifying glare and look. And, and Rodriguez knew that and he used that very well in several scenes, including a little bit of a, a payoff to that opening sequence. And I, I, I think she's she wasn't as big uh, a, a star as some of the other actors in the, in, the, in the movie. But every time I watch it, I just, you know, the looks that she's giving the kids and it's like, oh, you are you are in so much trouble. Now. It still creeps me out. I mean, you know, this is a fun and it, I, I'll, I'll be honest, it doesn't really scare me, but it's more like a fun horror movie entertainment but that look inside is just it's chilling so i i i, I feel like i should probably mention a couple of negative things here because i'm sounding like i'm fanboying it some of the effects are a bit dated but it kind of works for the b movie quality but anytime when the characters had tentacles um <laughs> and probably the, the worst victim of this is uh, a really good actor fam k jensen who's She's this teacher who's kind of mild-mannered, but then when she gets turned into an alien, then she's got this sex pod. And she has this flirtatious thing with the uh, uh, the drug dealer played by Harnett again throughout the, the film. And and they have this big battle, and, and what we just see her head and the tentacles just walking away. <laughs> that doesn't look great. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I took that to be another tribute to the thing as well. Yeah, uh, it, it does look like yeah. the thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I, again, a little bit more computer generated, of course, not practical, because uh, Rodriguez started to do a lot more stuff with digital around this time. It led to even more, like late, a few years later, uh, Sin City and films like that. 
and a lot of the actors from this movie he he cast when he did Sin City. So, but yeah, there were a couple like Christopher McDonald, another very good actor, who plays Elijah Woods' father. Elijah Woods very good in the film too. He doesn't have much to do. Like I, I guess at that time he was still a little bit of a character actor, but he can do a lot of of different things. Yeah. Movies. Uh, and he's just kind of he's kind of there. He has this really awful line about when. They're, they're taking, they think there's something wrong with Elijah Wood, and so they're taking all his stuff away. They take his porn magazines and said, oh, sorry, son, you won't be flogging the bishop tonight or something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah, line. Like it just it sticks line. out as kind of a cheap laugh there, here and there. Um, also, Daniel Vitt, uh, Von Bargen, he's another, like, one of those guys played so many villains in the in movies in the 90s uh, i'm thinking of like lord of illusions and films like that and he's he's this alcoholic history teacher but then he he changes into the alien and he looks several notches too creepy and too scary and he's like he looks like he's enjoying how evil he is and maybe he needed to, rodriguez needed him to tone it down just a little bit but he's uh, he's given the the uh, class some family tree assignment out of nowhere, just so <laughs> they can they can try and track down all their families to turn them all into aliens. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's silly fun. It's uh, again, it's like the so far away from the the seriousness of the descent. Um, but it, I just I I think people will enjoy it. Uh, I think it's one you could out go to non horror fans. And if they can sort of handle a, a bit of the the gore and stuff uh, and the silliness of it, that they'll have a good time. So yeah, it's yeah. funny you kept mentioning the cast like name after name after name. Yeah. You say, "Oh, yeah. you know this guy from this," and and you realize yeah. that it, it, it's occurring to me that this is packed. There's there's too many people in this film. There's not enough time for everybody to shine. But yeah, because it every time you look on the screen, there's someone you know from something else or uh, someone who became famous. It wasn't yet. Um, Cleo Paul is great. I mean, um, I know when I saw it the first time, like it's the opening scene. I remember just being confused because I was pointing at the, thinking that's Lilith from Cheers. What? She's not in these movies. What's going on here? You know, and she looks so different from what you're used to seeing her in Cheers. You know, and, you know, she was quite attractive in in this, and uh, and I thought, why isn't she in more stuff? But uh, it was just strange. And then John Stewart's there, and yeah, uh, and it goes on and on. I think if if I had only one one complaint, I mean, I kind of forgive the the effects for being the time, I guess. Um, but yeah, you're right. There are films that are older that maybe do some things a little bit more convincing. But uh, I think the only for me, I think the very final ending maybe it gets a little bit hokey. Um, you know, the final shots, kind of uh, that 90s feel where, uh, you know, now the nerd is, uh, you know, kissing the, the hot girl and, uh, you know, it's like, well, you know what, they wouldn't actually end up together. They might be, you know, they'll be friends now, but uh, <laughs> you know, everything's back to normal. They play some 90s music and uh, actually it's worth pointing out the music in this one too. This is uh, two Very movies in a row that uh, I had, uh, I still got the soundtrack for this one too, is uh, yeah. a lot of uh, good tunes put together little uh vibe of uh, brick in the wall kind of plays over a lot of the background scenes too which is really fitting i guess here here's where i'll defend this you're absolutely right if we're if we're going to be putting our feet under mother earth with this film uh yeah the, the yeah they like the popular most attractive girl in the school and the nerd who gets beaten up by all the bullies probably would not be together by the end i again i think this was 
there were a lot of things that were homages to Breakfast Club. And the, the, the thing about the end of Breakfast Club is they suggest that there's some couplings that are, are going to happen that have crossed those lines of those different clicks. Um, but in reality, one week later, the Breakfast Club, are they going to be together? Is like the, again, the school rebel and and the good girl in the Breakfast Club, will they be together? Same, same story here. Um, the only way I, I, I can sort of see it happening is suddenly Elijah Woods become pretty famous. They, they, they it seems to show that the media wants to interview him all the time. He's on the cover of every major magazine because of this supposed alien invasion. And maybe if you're wanting to be with somebody who has like some prominence and, and whatever, that you might get uh, connected to him there. And um, and they were friends because they worked in the school paper before this. But uh, but yeah, I I I agree with you. Yeah, and and the, it's funny. All these movies seem to have the same last shot. Like this seems like the same final shot as the end of Scream Two or uh, some of those urban legend movies. Like they all kind of had a have a similar type of look towards the end too. So I, I feel like there's a little bit of repeating himself in some places, but I like the mix of the B movie alien, Robert Rodriguez stuff. It was kind of a, a weird marriage. Um, and, and maybe there's some things that are a little bit uneven, but it, uh, it, I don't know. I, I, I have a, a good time. Every time I watch it, I like it more and more. And I almost am thinking at this point that I haven't given it enough points once we get to the points, but uh, maybe it's a happy meeting between the two. I rewatched it again last night just to just prepare for this. And maybe that's why I'm so excited about it. Sheldon, anything else you'd like to say about the faculty? Um, no, no. I, I, I think uh, you guys uh, pretty covered it quite well. Um, but for sure, like it's, uh, I guess I, what I sort of meant by predictability is it's like all those movies were coming out at that time and it sort of oh, yeah. followed that sort of template, I guess, is, is sort of what I mean. But, uh, but that's okay. Like, like you say, it's still, it's fun to watch. It's entertaining. Um, and the soundtrack is, is awesome. Like I, I sort of forget about that. And usually I'm very interested in the, the music that's going on during a, a movie i find it really changes things for me like when when the music is uh sort of appropriate and when it's not and like scott said uh, you know another brick in the wall playing in the background that was awesome and like there's the offspring is in it which sort of foreshadows some of my other uh, uh picks there a little bit but uh, uh the kids aren't all right you know, they, there's some great stuff like that i used to listen to back in the day i still do uh, garbage has a song stabbing westward no nobody ever listens to stabbing westward anymore i, I used to when, when i was younger but uh, that's one you definitely don't hear very often on like a radio or something like that so uh there's really really cool songs and uh just just a fun movie to watch but um like you say it's it you got to take some of these ones sort of for what they are sometimes but but it's like it's like maximum overdrive fun to watch uh this one's maybe a little bit more because the 90s you have a little bit better special effects it sort of it, it takes it out of that b realm just a little bit but it's still it's still in there it's it is but it's it's, it's definitely a b it is but it's not an 80s b movie it's yeah. a nine late 90s b movie right and so there's a definite different in the uh, sort of cinematic effect that that happens with that but uh uh it makes it fun to watch it's great great show i like it 
I failed to mention when I introduced that this was the 1990s theme day. That's for, for okay. the faculty. So that's uh, uh, a very 90s soundtrack, very 90s film. Yep. If you like 90s cinema as I do, then I think it's worth checking out. Uh, I think uh, we're back to Scott now. What is your uh, second choice? Well, it, it was my pleasure to uh, to force you guys to uh, <laughs> to watch and review the uh, Full Moon uh, Features film called Creepazoids. A desperate band of nuclear survivors stumble upon shelter where they seek protection from deadly radioactive rain. Put the suckers upstairs, bro, from the radiation. I mean, we got it made here. But their dreams of safety turn into a nightmare of horror when they are confronted by the Creepazoids. This is, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure where to begin on this, but I was, uh, I brought this sub movie up on another podcast with Rank and Review, and we did a special one talking about our, our guilty pleasure horror movies, you know, it, uh, and, and I kind of led off, first of all, mentioning this one at, uh, at the top of the show. Now, so I got to mention it. Larry hadn't seen it, so now I get to actually you know, mention it and talk about it with uh, with two people that have seen it now. And uh, it's a uh, it's very B. It's a B movie with a capital B, maybe three Bs, or, or at least two Ds. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just everything about this. I mean, if you look at the you know the the cover, it just it just screams B movie. It's it's this animated monster on the front which you know they don't have the budget to create anything that looks nearly as good as this um you know it's starring linnea quigley so you know there, there's going to be a nude scene um, yep. <laughs> the write-up on the back of the film says uh and i love this it's the year is 1998 six years after the nuclear apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> the follow continues to plague the survivors uh with periodic bouts of highly toxic acid rain so what we do is um you have to buy into that. Okay, it's it's the future, 1998, um, and uh, yeah. So we have a group of army deserters. It looks like, and they're they're traveling, looking for a safe place to to get out of this acid rain and find safety. And they come across some 
looks like a government research facility of some sort. And uh, a lot of this movie is them, uh, you know, walking up and down the same hallway, it looks like. And uh, it's even, they have, uh, this movie's inspired. It's got pieces of, you know, pieces of, well, by saying pieces, maybe ripped off of uh, a lot of alien influence. Uh, There's some evil dead in here. Um, There's a bit of It's Alive. Um, (laughs) You know, when we get to the ending, uh, the one, the tagline I always kind of jokingly say with people is, uh, you know, come for the Linnea Quigley shower scene, but you'll stay for the mutant baby attack at the end. (laughs) It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going to try and say it's, it's a good movie, but I have seen this movie probably about seven times now, and for some reason, I, I just I enjoy the heck out of it. It's uh, if you got there's a lot of bad horror movies where you'll watch it and you're, you're saying this is just this is a bad movie and you want to turn it off. I feel like this is a bad movie that you're enjoying because of maybe just how inept everything is in, in this film. It's it is what it is, I guess. Uh, it's it's very short. I think it's about seventy two minutes and that's including probably seven minutes of credits so um it this is it's definitely uh it's a fun time uh, if you can if you can get, have fun watching a bad horror movie i guess then this is maybe one i would always kind of point people to um because there's there's a lot in here going on you got uh, a huge alien type creature you have uh, giant rats which uh, which are very inanimate. They don't move unless the actors throw them or <laughs> hold them against. Uh, the person that you know people turn into uh, evil dead type creatures because reasons. Um, th- there's there's so much. Just uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I I, had, I kind of really like this movie, and I gotta you know temper that by saying I I realize this is not a good movie. Um, but there's there's fun to to have if you can get into it into the vibe. So what did you think of Creepazoids? Have you seen it before? Um, <clears throat> no, I had never seen it before. Um, I I was this was sort of a, a interesting. Um, this was a great part of the the Halloween challenge, I guess. The horror challenge for me was uh, kind of getting to see some of these movies and. Um, I'm sure at some point in my life, like, uh, you know, I was a kid during the eighties and nineties and, you know, I'm sure I, I've seen, um, a lot of, uh, uh Quigley's work at some point <laughs> or another because, uh, you know, you've seen probably, yeah. <laughs> well, the one that I watched, I, I believe, I think for the, the Quigley challenge. Um, was like a workout video, basically. Like it, it, it was. I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head, but um, uh, it was like part workout video, and then uh, I'll have to look it up, and then um, part sort of um, clips from all of sort of the movies that she's done. So it was sort of like a clip movie, but it was half workout movie, and it's just her working out. And, um, you know, that's definitely... Uh, uh a different type of of uh, show you know and, and these ones are but they're great they're they're great to watch you know there's a little bit of uh a little bit of nudity here and there but hey, nothing nothing nobody's ever seen before <laughs> so it's i i have a lot of fun with these movies they but like scott says they're not the greatest in terms of uh 
you know, storyline and, and, and its originality. Um, yeah, it gets a lot of heat for being very similar to Alien, and it is. Like, if you watch through it, there's just so many things. The, the whole mechanism of how the monsters work and while well, the aliens work, it, it, it uh, yeah, it just looks totally like Alien. Um, but just, it looks like Alien without a budget. It, it looks like like it was alien. Um, it was a, a, that that like some college kids made without a budget. No, that, that, better than that. But but like it, it just you don't get that that sort of um, production value out of it because they don't have the money for that kind of stuff when they're making these movies. But they're so cool that they made all of these movies. Like I, that's the thing. Like um, I think like movies in general. Um, you know, like the, the artistic world would be lesser for not having these types of movies because they were really cool. And you like to watch Quigley. She, she's really, she's, a, you know, she's fun. Um, you know, but uh, it's another movie kind of takes you back a little bit in terms of its nostalgic sort of appeal to it, but uh, definitely in a different way. <laughs> but it's great. I, I love it. It was a good show. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, what was interesting was I watched this for the Linnea Quigley day. Um, and right after it was done, I was like, I wish I could get on to like, I don't know, rank and review or like something where I want to talk to somebody about this movie. <laughs> and then you picked it for, and I was, I was thrilled and I went back to watch it again. And I, I, I don't know where to start here. I, I <laughs> yes, it, there, there's a lot to talk about. Right? Yeah, it's, I, uh, it's weird. I have a certain amount of enthusiasm for this, you know, where I would say, I mean, you know, yeah, it's a low budget film, but I mean, they, were, they, they, they put effort into, into oh, this, for sure. you know, yeah. and oh, for sure. I, I think it's ultimately it, like, it seems like the theme with the ones that I'm really responding to is, is it fun. And I think this is a lot of fun, but the the, uh, the little um, prologue at the beginning, my, my favorite part is when they refer, uh, again, this is 1987, this came out. This is supposed to be in 11 years that this, that this yeah. happens. And it's really only like at six years until <laughs> this end of the world apocalypse happens. But they, they talk about the, the deadly acid rains. <laughs> Not deadly acid rain, but the deadly acid rains. rains. So, oh my gosh! When I saw those deadly acid rains coming down on them. Uh, like they're, I, I love they're sitting there and it's like, um, I think it's gonna rain. Oh no, it's a clear sky. And then we look, and the, the storm comes up right away. They're like, oh, we need to run in. Um, Take stock footage of a storm of clouds. They, they basically, I guess, illegally shot that, and it looks like it, like in the parking lot, that opening sequence, but in L.A. And then it was an abandoned uh, Hustler office or something, like for the Hustler porn magazine that they, was their location for that, for the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, just when they, I mean, there's so much going on in this thing, but just when you think the the, the big alien creature has been done with, then out of nowhere, yeah, we get this baby creature. That's just that 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 felt like the most impressive special effect. Like any budget they had went into that baby at the end. <laughs> and but there were jumps that I, I that didn't make sense where it looked like the baby was about to a- attack our, our survivor and suddenly like he's 
in the other side of the room and he's like throwing things on top of the baby. And then it wasn't the only time. There were a couple times where it just there there were these these jumps where I, I think they they missed a shot or something kind of went wrong there. But that happens, I guess, with a movie with this this small a budget. I the, the acting's all over the place. I, I meant mm-hmm. I, I wanted to mention this. Um, so Kim McCammy played uh, the character Kate, who uh, you know she she's the uh, I, I think I have it right. She was the brunette. Yeah. Um, and I I I liked her. I thought she like she was a little bit uh, above above the rest. Uh, she was actually I thought better than than Quigley acting wise. It's interesting that I, I guess Quigley was supposed to have that role, but uh, this um, this Kim McCarney wasn't comfortable with the nudity, which is ironic because apparently she later became a porn star or something under a different yeah. name, Ashlyn Gear. So um, this is all stuff I was reading up about the movie before we recorded here. Um, but yeah, it's I, funny. Lynette uh, Quigley talks about that too in uh, in some other documentary I watched where. She, uh, Ashlyn Gear, I guess, is what she's called now. But um, yeah, she refused to do any nudity, and that's you're right. She became a hardcore porn actress afterwards. Uh, and uh, she, yeah. yeah, she looked down on. She wouldn't take her shirt off in the shoot because she was uh, that was beneath her. And uh, now, if you look at her IMDb page, some of those titles, it's like, <laughs> okay, you've changed your opinion since then. <laughs> I had a 180 at her, there. <laughs> I'm looking at her IMDb page yet, but I, you know, anyway. Um, but it's funny that Quigley ended up with kind of like the two or maybe even one dimensional character. Like she's kind of like she stays in the movie longer than maybe her character has any right to, but because she was basically the producer of the film. But it, you know, she she's kind of playing the a, a dumb blonde stereotype, I guess. And and she's paired up with that soldier who's kind of like a, the Bill Paxton from Aliens type. Like he's just he, he, he's just a, like a meathead of a guy, but unfortunately that actor wasn't very good. Um, and then of course our, like our fifth wheel was that, uh, that kind of nerdy computer guy at the beginning. And some of those conversations when like the, like our, our, the head of the, this crew or whatever is talking to the computer guy. And it just, it sounds like when you have an older person who knows nothing about technology, talking to a young person who's doing something <laughs> Well, what did you figure out on that uh, computer machine thing of yours there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, that computer side plot kind of went nowhere. But they're trying to build some drama with uh, <laughs> something going on, and I, I, I didn't like. I, it was funny. The, what was surprising? Maybe there was a lot that was surprising once I figure out where I'm watching the, you know, this, yeah, in, very very independent, low budget aliens. Uh, but is the order that? The characters got killed in because I mean we know they're all lambs for the slaughter in this film. There's likely going to be a survivor. I, I, I kind of thought if you're producing the movie, then you're going to be the final girl. But that's not actually how it goes. Spoilers yeah. for the movie. So, um, but yeah, I, it, it's funny that I can be like so hard on on a maximum overdrive, but <laughs> easy on this one. But. Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King's prominence, and he could have any actor he wanted, and he had this huge budget, and Dino De Laurentiis was funding this thing, and, and like, you know, he could do anything with it. These people had nothing to work with, really. <laughs> you know, like, I kind of won, like, a, a B-horror 80s star, and, and she was producing it, 
and they're just putting it together because they want to make movies. And there's something I have to appreciate about that. And I, I, I've watched it twice, and both times I had a great time with it. Wow. And so to me, that, that, that says a lot. It might not earn as many points as some other ones we talked about, but it's definitely not the bottom of the list for me. I mean, I think it's uh, – I'm really, really, really happy you chose it as, uh, as one of your picks here. So uh, I, I am a fan. Uh, I don't know if I, I'm losing my uh, – my movie critic license after this because of it, but I am a fan of this film. So, wow, well, that's that's exciting to hear because uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was going to be a, a chore or not. But uh, not for me. I know for for people that can't get into that aesthetic, I could see it's being like this is this is garbage and not I'm not going to watch this for over an hour. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I have uh, I have a good time. There's uh, they never do answer the question what is a creepazoid anyways, but is that what the main creature is? Is that a creepazoid or just we assume a... so. <laughs> and uh, your thought, your, any thoughts on the giant rats? Uh, did you love that scene? Uh, <laughs> I, I do personally love, love that scene. I, I mean, that's just one of those things. It's just hilarious, you know, and, and, um, that I, that's the type of movie it is, you know, really, uh, for me, I don't know. You have crazy things like that happening. Um, the one I think, uh, I watched for this challenge, I'm just remembering, I watched a couple because, um, I enjoy Quigley. <laughs> she's, she's pretty all right. Um, so yeah, once I, that, that was kind of the, the best aspect of, of this one is because uh, you picked it and I was very curious and i had to pick something from quigley too i picked the return of the living dead which i thought was a little yeah. bit better movie in general <laughs> than, than oh, this one yeah. yeah you know like just um but it still had you know has some of the same sort of uh elements to it in a way but but definitely sharing the the quigley connection there but uh and she's just awesome in that movie but uh but that's that was the greatest part of watching this movie for me was kind of getting to see some of those other movies too that she's been a part of and sort of getting uh, uh, into her career and kind of researching some of the things that she's done because it's it's cool like you, you don't see um, a lot of those types of actors uh, you don't hear a lot about them anymore kind of it's uh, definitely nice to remember a little and the. Con contribute you know the things they've contributed to sort of the uh the uh, film world i guess you could say and, and so for that I, I i think it's a cool movie um fun to watch fun to watch her <laughs> and to your credit like this is a completely different character like i mean i you know i i don't think yeah. i return to the living dead and then uh, she watched them back to back playing a different character a different oh for sure yeah. You know, human being, she has that uh, enough range that yeah. in that way. I, I think she just had better writing to work with yeah. and uh, Return oh, of the yeah. Living Dead and oh, just better sure. production values. But um, I, I, I have no doubt she's given it her all in, in, in any project that she was in. So, oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I guess there are a few more small things uh, to point out, kind of, you know, 
areas where mostly it's ineptitude <laughs> things that, but I kind of enjoyed. They're constantly crawling through these air vents or through these yeah. corridors. And uh, you, it's always shot from the same angle. So it looks yeah. like really it's just a hallway. And I, I rewatched it in that one scene specifically to look. And there is a shot where you can see the roof is much higher. He could have just stood up and, and walked. <laughs> but uh, you know, but, but yeah, they're, they're crawling every time through that same corridor. Uh, Look up here! Look up here! Look up here! Sorry. Okay. Same way we kind of you know mentioned the the giant rats where they're so clearly holding them against their body and, and <laughs> flaying around, but uh, I, I kind of enjoy that stuff. But and then you're, the uh, alien, the creepazoid, whatever it is, they they kill this thing, and then for some reason. Uh, humanoid baby emerges from it and starts crawling out. It's kind of a cool looking baby, kind of like from the Island of the Alive kind of world, it looks like, but, uh, um, and you know, it's crawling out and it's umbilical cord tears. And <laughs> to me, and I'm, when I first saw this the first time, I, I couldn't stop laughing at that point. I thought, why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't this happen next? So In I my can, head, I just feel like that one, but well, hopefully you can, because in my the way I explain it to myself without any basis is I feel like somebody involved with that movie had a prop, uh, a mutant baby prop that he didn't get to use for another movie. And said, like, hey, I got this thing. Can we put this in the movie somewhere? Said, yeah, that'll be our centerpiece at the, at the end. But maybe I'm wrong. That's a, a wild guess. But what really I, happened? I like that idea a lot. Like I just bring everything in the kitchen sink, whatever people have at home to just throw into this movie. But uh, I guess in... Uh, I'm not sure they even filmed this, but in some sort of an earlier version, uh, apparently, and I, I think it's the Kate character, um, so it still doesn't make any sense. It, it, yeah, never mind. It still doesn't make any sense, but there is supposed to be an alien human sex scene that was to happen in this mm. movie that never kind of made the final cut uh, one way or the other. So somehow okay. the, the the alien had procreated... Uh, but if the alien is giving birth, unless there's some sort of an explanation, which we don't have about, is it an asexual alien? I don't know what, but, but uh, <clears throat> it would have had to be one of the guys that had sex. But the impression I had was the alien had sex with one of the uh, two female stars. Um, and I, I don't know if it was <laughs> blocks by the actor or, or, or what happened there, but... Um, that's Just awesome. from a scientific perspective, there's a lot of hormonal things going on there. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of. <laughs> I, I don't know about the last shot of like again. This is the I was complaining about in the theatrical ending of the descent, the gotcha moment. There's a little bit of a a gotcha there uh, for the the last kind of freeze frame '80s shot of Creepazoid that I. It just it didn't didn't make a ton of sense to me, but I again I'm not sure I'm looking for logic. I'm just looking to just have a good time. <laughs> but you're, you're right. There's a little bit of room for the guy to stand up if he wants to. Uh, I I think they're acting their hearts out with that giant rat. I mean, the, the, like to do a fight scene and try to make that happen. I mean, it's not convincing at all, but they are they are trying their best, and it is. <laughs> it's kind of an Ed Wood moment. <laughs> I admire the effort of everybody connected to this. And so um, 
it, it and, almost that part reminds me of like a drama game that I, I would play where it's like here here's this inanimate object convince me that it's, it's actually attacking, attacking you. <laughs> you, you have that's to your final exam lot, so and I, honestly I'm at the age now I'd rather see that than somebody fighting uh, a computer generated I don't know blue person or whatever so uh, I mean, you know it's I they're they're trying to work with like practical effects with no money at, at all and so yeah. i yeah i i appreciate that more probably when i was younger about the time i was watching the faculty for the first time i would have been like that's so stupid that sucks <laughs> why would every but now i get it and um just I'm glad we're, giving, we're giving some airtime to creepazoids here so yeah and, and that that final battle is kind of painful as well i, I mean it goes on for a while because yeah. uh, the baby crawls across the warehouse that this guy's in it surprises me like reacts by throwing it across and then we wait for the baby to crawl over again and he throws it again this happens three or four times and you're only like, oh, come on let's end why is he not running, running yeah way to it's like the same thing i mean Suspension of disbelief. If you have Annabelle or the Chucky doll or any of these things, like you're bigger, why don't you just take it and like throw it and, and get out of there? Yeah. If you stop laying on the floor, you might survive this a little easier. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a I film that connected to the floor in this movie. That's true. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't recommend this to everybody, no. but uh, I think if it's the right mood, if you're going to gather with a few horror movie friends and have a few beers. I think maybe the beers are essential uh, element to this. Um, but I think if that's the what you're going to do, then you guys are going to have fun doing that. I, oddly enough, back in October when I watched it, I watched it with my sister, and she laughed and had a great time with it too. So it wasn't like, you know. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thumbs up for Creepazoids. It would be surprising, su surprising for Scott. But, yeah, three, three <laughs> thumbs up, I think. All right, so Sheldon, we're going into your second movie. Okay, yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I might have picked this movie more because uh, you know a nostalgic sort of thing, and it had a lot of the music that I uh, used to listen to in it. Um, so I don't know. That's why I probably picked Idle Hands. So I came all the way over here. You said you was holding. I didn't say what I was holding. Anton Tobias never had much on his mind. Don't you think you should have, like, a goal? My dream life would be to lie around all day in bed and watch TV while somehow Brad delivers me food. And he always had time on his hands. Four bodies have been discovered, and the killer is still at large. Until one of them... <laughs> ...got a mind of its own. control on my hands. Ah! Makes me do things that I don't want him to do. Aren't you a little old for Ding Dong Ditch? <laughs> Sorry about your bush. I'm gonna call 911. What's the number? I'm not the killer. Okay. I mean, if OJ can get off, then I'm sure. You'll be here? Now, his hand won't stop. I don't want to hurt you. They don't! Ew, that's disgusting. His friends won't die. Dead. Undead, actually. And there was this big, bright white light at the end of a long tunnel. So what happened? We were like, forget that, man. It's too far. And the only way to stop it... <laughs> idle hands of the devil's playpen song. Keep my hands occupied, right? ...is to keep it busy. Freeze! 
Drop the knitting needles. That's probably not a good idea. Put them down! Cuff me! Put those needles down, young man! Down! Cuff me, cuff me, go! Columbia Pictures presents... The police have no leads, and the killer is still out there. You scream like a girl. The comedy... Careful, it's on kind of loose. That's when it's starting to get on my nerves. That dares to give scary movies... Hey, look at me! The backhand. What you doing, man? That's my dad. Come on. CPR, man. I saw him Baywatch. Did you lose something there, bud? Idle hands. The touching story of a boy and his hand. You're kinky. Fly for a white guy. Uh, that was, and I don't know. There were other reasons too, uh, as to kind of why I went with. Uh, with that one, but um, like I say, I don't watch a lot of, of horror movies, and you know, that's the great thing. I got to watch like Creepazoids, and I watched a whole bunch of other Quigley stuff, um, and and that was kind of the greatest thing, as I sort of came back to movies like this that I do enjoy, but I hardly ever ever get to watch them. Um, I just, I always end up watching something else, like I'll, I'll watch lots of comedies and, and lots of action movies, but um, this one's kind of cool because it, it does have some sort of action element to it, I guess, in a, a little bit, but um, not not to a severe degree, I guess you could say. Um, but it, it definitely has, you know, a, a pretty cool cast. Uh, yeah, you know, you have Jessica Alba, uh, which is definitely one of one of my favorite uh, actors, you know, from especially that I used to watch. I don't know, she's. Uh, I, I enjoy watching things uh, for just performances. Uh, I think she's kind of convincing in what the character is supposed to be in this movie. Um, but yeah, in, in, in terms of a plot, it's very similar, I, I think, to a, a lot of uh, a lot of horror structures, I guess you could say. But um, it, of course, it's not the. It, we, we sort of switch gears a little bit here. We we don't go. For the alien aspect of it where again we're in the situation where we're uh, you know kind of like the faculty where you're in a high school situation or you're in maybe they, they've just graduated high school uh kind of situation it's different because it's a supernatural sort of thing right where you you have some sort of demonic ac aspect to it i guess you could say um with the the hand and and it it, it actually reminded me a lot of another movie that i watched um earlier on uh, that I had never seen before. That was part of the challenge too, and it was I think it was called the hand, I believe. But that it sort of was interesting. Um, I'd seen both movies, but I never really thought of them as being sort of connected in that way before. I just never really thought about it. Um, but I guess it's kind of similar in that respect, um, where you have a, a hand that gets chopped off. It it gets possessed and chopped off, and the hand keeps going. It's it's kind of reminiscent of. Uh, of uh, kind of the monsters in that way is you always have the thing crawling around. <laughs> I think that you know, um, so that's what it sort of reminds me of. And you always have this uh, d demonic possessed hand um, that that goes around and causes havoc and kills a whole bunch of people. And of course, um, you know, it, it kind of goes on from there. You don't want to really ruin the whole movie, but that's the basic premise: is is a possession movie. And um, the thing I like about it is it's just a hand that's possessed. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's not the entire, like I talked about the exorcist before, uh, um, kind of when we, uh, 
we're doing the challenge and I, I can't watch movies like that. Like they, they just do something to me. I, I it freaks me out too much. I, <laughs> I, I have a whole bunch of them too. Like I have probably four or five copies of the exorcist. I'll, I'll never watch it. I might have to give it to you, Jason, <laughs> but I also have like a whole, what's that? I have more than one myself. So yeah, you know, but I have a whole bunch of sort of, uh, possession movies where I'll never watch them because they just the whole concept of it it freaks me out for I don't know reasons I don't know maybe it was my religious background uh, when I was much younger but uh, it just they they do something they they make me think on a level that makes me not sleep <laughs> and I don't like that so I don't tend to watch them um, but this one's cool because they kind of have fun with it I think in the, the demonic possession of just the hand and it's just the hand that, you know, sort of goes around and tries to uh, kill people. So uh, I think because of that, I really enjoy watching it and uh, really some cool performances. Um, I can't even, I don't even know how to pronounce his name actually to it's Devin. Is it Sawa? I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sawa. Um, he's really cool. I, I still think the, the best, um, sort of thing I've seen him in it was uh, the Eminem video. <laughs> he, he's, he's in that, um, but no, he's he's a cool actor, and I, I like a lot of the stuff he, he's he's done. But I really like that Eminem video um, where he's in. But you have Seth Green too. Seth Green's a super funny guy. Uh, I like a lot of the comedy stuff that Seth Green has been in, uh, especially like Robot Chicken. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I love watching Robot Chicken, and so when I kind of see Seth Green, it kind of makes me think of that too that's the type of character that i think you're as an actor he brings to uh, robot chicken too so it's it's a fun movie to watch there's way there's tons of actors you could go on forever uh talking about them uh but that's i guess why i picked it and why i enjoy watching it um is because it's it's a fun sort of uh demonic possession movie i guess you could say and there's some interesting things with uh uh vehicles and and stuff too as well at the end where where you have certain characters that just kind of i don't know drive around and they're trying to chase and find this uh possessed hand and uh, it just kind of adds a little bit of a an action element to it it's fun to watch and of course you have offspring uh yes. offspring, yeah that's uh, and yeah like when scott watched it i think he commented on facebook and i i, I said i knew i'd like you'd like that part like because that's kind of the best part of the movie where you have uh, uh, a cover uh, of I want to be uh, sedated, I want to be sedated, right? Cover uh, done by the offspring and they, they play live at the, the high school dance, right? And, and just, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but my high school dances weren't quite that, uh, that cool. Um, you know, offspring didn't definitely come out and, and do a cover of, of like one of the greatest, uh, sort of rock songs they're regarded as one of the greatest ever. So yeah, if you didn't, if you didn't think this was the a fantasy world yet, <laughs> yeah, point, that's yeah. a, Hey, wait, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I believe the, the hand does kill him, I believe, isn't it? The hand kills, uh, kills the Dexter Dexter, yes. the lead singer from the offspring. So that's kind of why I love watching the movie. And I don't know what you guys thought of it, but uh, it's just another one of those movies. Probably I chose because I knew I liked it and I knew I'd have fun with it. I don't know. Maybe that was me being safe, but uh, I don't know. what you guys think? Well, uh, this was actually, I was kind of glad you picked it because this was my first time ever seeing this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I did, I had a copy of it 
uh, I got not too long earlier, just coincidental, but uh, I happened to see the Screen Factory version of it for cheap. And I, I kind of trust the Screen Factory ones where I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll get this. And um, now I, I'm kind of sad to say that I've never watched it because I, I purposely avoided watching this back when it came out late 90s, 98, 99, 99 I think. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like. Back then, I, maybe I was becoming a, a pompous horror nerd or something, but um, I, I really I hated the idea of this movie based on nothing. Just I, I hate the trailer. I hated the trailer. And and to me, I, I was a big Evil Dead 2 fan, and I felt like, oh, this is going to be like an Evil Dead 2 ripoff because I just see this possessed hand walking around. And I, I, it, it angered me because I thought, how dare they do this? And and they had this. Is, no one can see this. It's listing. But the, the poster, it looked like, uh, to me, I thought it just looked like a dumb '90s teen comedy, <laughs> which I, I just wasn't into at that point in my life. And and it does the the cover is is bad. It's not a great poster. But then the Scream Factory one came out, and it released this new artwork. That, oh, sweet! That if that would have been the poster, I would have seen this movie opening yeah. night. <laughs> I would say, "Oh, this looks like wicked. I'll I'll go see this." So you picking this movie to review gave, gave me that reason to say, "Okay, I guess I got to finally watch this movie." And and uh, it surprised me. It was, it's the, of all the six, this one's the comedy horror of the group where the comedy is very upfront and center, maybe even, you know, it's more so than the horror. And that's kind of what I thought going in as well. But the horror is actually there too. I didn't expect there to be the level of uh, blood and, and stuff going on that there was. And so I, I appreciate it on, on both sides and I love a good comedy horror as well. So I was impressed with how much, uh, how much fun I had with it. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> Little things with, uh, you know, Seth Green is uh, his, his stoner friend. He, or he's got those two stoner friends that are just kind of lazy and they sit around all day eating cheesies <laughs> and playing video games and, and getting high. But uh, for me, there's a moment that kind of made it when uh, our main character, he, he these guys die. His friends die at his yeah. own hand. But they come yeah. back. They come back as zombies. And that's kind of, you know, you see that in the trailer as well. So. Um, but I, I think the thing I like is why, why are they zombies? And they come, they say, well, there was this bright light and they called us towards, but we said, forget that. That's too far. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. The whole reason that they became zombies is just because they're too lazy to walk to the light. And, and so I bought it that went, okay, fine. Cause I thought, well, why is nobody else a zombie? Oh, they're just that lazy. Heaven's too far. Uh. I kind of bought in right from the opening, the opening scene. Uh, with uh, Fred Willard, uh, yeah, right, I, right. I loved seeing him again. There it was a surprise, and it was a well shot horror scene. And uh, and I thought this isn't going to be what I thought it was. Uh, that brought me into the movie. I thought that was pretty decent. So I I relaxed and just said, okay, well this I might enjoy this. Um, coincidentally, another movie with uh, a killer soundtrack. Um, you have obviously the Offspring stuff, but there is just music throughout the whole movie um from one scene to the next there's always some kind of a song going on in the background yep. uh, all the way to the uh the guy that's always working on his, on his truck playing yeah. shout at the devil yeah that's like, <laughs> no matter what he's doing he's got that song on so they think he's a satanist he's like no it's just a cool song <laughs> yeah it's just a cool song yeah, yeah even when the boys steal his truck in one of the final scenes they start up the truck and shout at the devil plays and it plays the entirety <laughs> of their trip <laughs> but just must have a mixtape with that song on the repeat <laughs> But it's a it's a 
it's quite funny. Uh, there's a scene, you know, with he's swinging a cat around his head with his possessed hand and throws it out the window. I, right. I howled in laughter. I did not, it surprised me. Uh, there's some fun stuff that happened in here and uh, I bought into it and I was glad that uh, I was glad that I did. And I wondered like, if I would have watched this in 1999, I would have enjoyed it. And I, I missed out on that because uh, I thought it was something it, it wasn't that I was in the mood for, but. Uh. Oh, and for sure. Yeah. Like uh, me too, uh, sort of, sort of uh, to the same, not maybe the same degree, but like I watched it when I was younger and then I sort of, I forgot about it for a long time. Like it's, it's been sitting in my, uh, DVD collection for I don't know how long, but uh, the amount of times that I pull it out and I sort of forgot about it. But it was, I really enjoy it every time that I watch it, just for the very things you like you mentioned. It's the comedy is definitely there. Um, this was a film from the 90s, I think, day for me is, is when I picked this one. Um, yeah, 1999. So, yeah, it's just I'm glad you, you had that experience with it because. You know, it, it, I hadn't seen it in so long. It was great to pull it out and watch again because, like you say, it just it's an entertaining movie all the way through. There's the comedy, and it still has a lot of horror. And like I say, I'm not usually the in for the the blood and gore as much, um, but uh, I would say for somebody who does, isn't as big of a, a horror genre fan, like this is still a movie you can watch and and be entertained by and not be kind of grossed out too much but at the same time it could uh, just enough <laughs> exactly sat satisfy somebody who is a very hardcore uh horror fan which is which is awesome um you know so that's that's kind of what i like about it it's 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 a good balanced movie i guess uh and it's fun to watch jessica alba i i just i don't know i i i love performances and i love watching certain things and, and certain people and and uh that she's uh, easy, easy on the eyes too. Definitely very easy on the eyes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like you say, the two stoner guys, hilarious, and Seth Green. Yeah, it's it's a fun movie. I don't know what Jason. What do you? All right. So, and I'm glad we're highlighting some movies that I think have been kind of forgotten in the mix of time and in some '90s. We focused quite a bit on that 1990s day here, so I'm happy about that. I watched Idle Hands in theaters in 1999. And it, it's interesting to have it in the faculty, movies I saw in the late 90s. Um, Idle Hands was on my worst list for that <laughs> year. And it's funny, the faculty jumped up so much from where I was. Uh, and that's what I was hoping would happen with Idle Hands. And it did not happen at all. Um, <laughs> it's better than I remembered it being. But And, and I respect you two gentlemen, but... It's funny, some of the criticisms I have are some <laughs> related to some of the things you highlighted as strengths. <laughs> of course. Um, so let me start off with something, some positives, all right? Uh, we haven't mentioned yet, Vivica A. Fox is terrific and has oh, this course. wonderful role as, as, like, she knows about this, this, this demon and is going around... Uh, is going around the country and kind of discovers that it's stopping in all these random towns, but it adds up to a pentagram and figures out where it is next. And, and then it goes, goes chasing after it. This is a great role for Vivica A. Fox. I think you, you watch this and you get why Quentin Tarantino cast her in, in Kill Bill volume one, uh, because she can play over the top and comedic, uh, but treat it dead serious. And, that's to me the best performance in the movie. I, I did notice 
I don't think I knew who Jessica Alba was when I saw this in 99. <laughs> Watching it really? now. <laughs> no, sorry. Jessica Alba. I, I don't think it was out of her range to play a girl next door like this. Um, who has this, I mean, I, I guess it, it makes sense her attraction to Devin Sawa. I guess he's a good looking enough boy and, and, and everything there. But I thought she was fine. Uh, she didn't do anything to harm the movie. Devin Sawa, sorry, I disagree with you. Uh, he's centering this movie, and I don't think he's much of an actor. And, I mean, when we're talking about in, in the faculty, we have Josh Hartnett, and we have Elijah yeah. Wood, who I've been critical of in the past. I'm not, controversially, I'm not a fan of his work in the Lord of the Rings movies, but I liked him as a younger actor. Um, when you have such a talented group of young actors in the faculty, and I, I'm... I'm Part of it is, and I mentioned at the top about my, my struggle with comedy, I guess. I, I'm not, the irony is some people might label the movie, my movie for today, for our February uh, thing as a stoner movie, quote unquote. But I think it's more of a African-American neighborhood community movie more than a stoner movie. But I'm not a big fan of stoner humor. And there's a ton of it. Oh, for it. sure. Like it is. And I know it's called Idle Hands, and the reason that Devin Sawa's hand gets possessed is because he basically sits on the couch and gets high all day and watches TV, and that's all he does, right? But th th there's such potential in this idea, and I think my arms were crossed in 99, Scott, like you were <laughs> thinking, because of Evil Dead 2. And I, Sheldon, I don't know if you have watched Evil Dead oh, 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is the ultimate. It was after the hand was first, but of these possessed hand movies, mm -hmm. it is the king. And I thought this is like the below, this is the middle years school production of Evil Dead 2 happening here <laughs> um, with like none of the, you know, it, and that's the ultimate comedy horror for me is Evil Dead 2. And it is not... It is nowhere close to that. Absolutely nowhere close to it. Sadly, it mentioned the opening sequence there with uh, Fred Willard. Uh, to me, one of the biggest sins of this movie is you have Fred Willard in your movie and you do nothing with him. <laughs> There's nothing. I mean, this guy is a, a, a genius and a comedy genius. Like he, It's a comedy yeah. horror movie. He doesn't do anything funny. And they yeah. concentrate a, a ton of time on his wife. And we have how many false scares, how many times in a horror movie have I seen a uh, false scare involving a screeching cat? I mean, <laughs> that is just, that just takes all of the stakes out of it. And I mean, I, yeah, I like faculty or any of the movies at this time, they have to have this kind of dramatic opening for sure. But I, I, I found myself saying, oh, this is going to be great. Let's see what, what, what happens here, because I don't remember this, because I've tried to forget it for uh, 20 years. <laughs> and it's just, to me, a bland opening. And then there is some creativity. And I, again, I, 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 I won't tell you right now that I didn't wasn't entertained by some sequences. But I think we keep going back to the, the soundtrack. And mm -hmm. I agree, the soundtrack is amazing. But if the soundtrack is the best part of your movie then you have a good album, but you don't actually have a good movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. You might have a fun movie, but uh, not really technically a, a great movie. But the so. last point, and people can throw things at me if they want, I'm not a Seth Green fan. You don't I'm like Seth Green? Green. I, I just really, you know, I just never, I, I've always thought he is taking up somebody else's 
spot in in Hollywood and in movies and <laughs> television. And I found him particularly annoying when he was younger. And this was kind of when he was a, a big deal. So I just really had no time. I didn't care about his characters. I was thinking the same thing. And again, maybe I shouldn't be thinking that hard. But okay, this is a, a hand possession movie. But why do we have have these these zombies? But I guess mm. it, it is explained about they were too lazy to to go up to heaven or whatever. But but I, I I I do have to say there are some creative things that happen and how they turn that thing in the the, the high school auto shop into a giant bong and that was the way to combat. <laughs> the, you know. Yeah, I that sure points for that. For sure. Even if it isn't my thing, I can appreciate the creativity there. But I just don't think it's particularly well directed. I think it was it was playing off on like the kind of the young person teen horror movies at the time, which were not as interesting on the whole than the 1980s slashers that that, that came through and kind of that that old creativity of the of the 80s. Uh, this one just still kind of sits there. But I, I'm, I'm less of like a one star review and more into like a two star review uh, there when the points happen uh this is not the bottom of my list but i didn't have a great time with it and i i, I have to say I, I i had a great time with most of the movies that we were talking about but again with same thing i kind of said with maximum overdrive i think points in points here this is a big swing for me it was a miss for other people it was a home run. Like again, Scream Factory doesn't grab every movie, and the fact that they were willing to do a like a special Blu-ray and release it out there for Idle Hands means it has a cult following. Still a following. Yeah. There are people that like it. Um, so uh, I, I I will give it that. And I remember I liked Vivica A. A. Fox the first time I saw it, and that's it. That's the only thing I liked. But now I like what Just Galba did in a, a few other pieces there. I just I feel like uh, we just reviewed a movie that had no budget whatsoever and was ridiculous and over the top. And I had a lot of fun with, and for whatever reason, just I did not have the fun with Idle Hands. And I, w I was really hoping I would. I was hoping that this would be another go back in time and slap Jason, young, arrogant Jason movie critic. But I guess that part of me is still there when it comes to this movie. <laughs> And that's great too. <laughs> that's how subjective this all is. But I'm, I'm glad that we're getting two thumbs up out of the three for this one. Um, and that we're giving some airtime to a movie from the late 90s. 99 was a year where there was classic after classic every weekend. And there were a ton of other movies there that got kind of forgotten about. And I think Idle Hands was sort of forgotten about in that mix. And I'm glad that, you know, we can give it some time here and have people see it and judge for themselves. That's I don't think it, what you're saying is, uh, I think what you're saying is valid about it. Uh, I don't want to say my, my thumbs aren't way up on it. Um, I think what I'm saying is uh, from, I, I think the marketing of it initially was not, was not done well. Um, and that's what kept me away from it. It's not a smart movie. It's, it's, you know, it's like you said, it's stoner comedy. Um, I'm not huge on Seth Green myself either. I mean, he's a familiar face. I, you know, you see him in the Austin Power movies, you know, and uh, Robot Chicken and the voice and family guy and that. But uh, he's just someone that kind of shows up now and then and say, oh, okay, I know this guy. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know Devin Sawa myself. Too, I'm not too familiar with him. I guess he was in some of the, the Final Destination, I think, was. Yeah, yeah that's right. Movies, but, uh, I, I knew he was in some other series. Like He was in lots of those. He, he was yeah. like 
he was like Josh Hartnett or or Heath Ledger, these guys who these young guys who came up in the, the late nineties and looked like they were gonna have big careers, but his kind of stalled at some point here. I so like what was Oh, he was in that was he was the kid in, in Casper and he was in the little giants and now and then and like Honestly, yeah. like I said, I think his best acting was he did an Eminem video. He played Stan. He's he's yeah. Stan. He's, oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, and and like I don't know when I was graduating high school, I always used to like Eminem was kind of huge at, right around that ninety nine two thousand sort of thing, and and then kind of kept listening to him for a while. And I like Eminem, like in terms of of. Uh, the rap music that I listen to, that's one of the, you know, guys I like. But that, I don't know, maybe that's, I, like I said, I think that's still his best performance. Well, yeah, I, I, like I, and, you know, so that's why I don't, I don't uh, hate you for saying, Jason, that you don't like him. I don't think he is the greatest actor, but um, he does okay in this movie, like for what it is, um, you know, and, and like you say, Scott, too, it's not a smart movie, you know, and, and, I think that comes back to me maybe not being as as huge uh, of, of a horror fan sometimes because sometimes just a, a movie like this that has a cool soundtrack uh, and you know some some interesting parts and maybe a a, a very attractive female uh, lead <laughs> definitely they they make uh, the experience of watching a horror movie for me uh, a lot more enjoyable you know and so maybe that's why I I'm prone to liking movies like this more than you would because uh you know you you know a lot more about the genre and and, and all of the movies that have uh, sort of been contributing to it over the years and, and building it and so you have a quite a bit better background for it than i do but uh i guess i watch them more for that that sort of instant uh gratification of like a good soundtrack or something like that but uh you're 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 not wrong, and I would never uh, disagree with you guys when you say it's it's not the greatest movie in the world, but it's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, fun to watch, just like uh, Creepazoids is fun to watch for me too. So. Yeah, and I don't think horror has to be a, a cerebral experience. I know there no. are some cerebral, self-referential horror movies out there, which actually or artistic horror as. Like The um, Shining, <laughs> you know. A bit, a bit, I guess. But some other ones, like uh, recent ones, like Midsummer and um, yeah. Hereditary. That I, I know that uh, Larry Parsons kind of is of two minds about that kind of art horror. But I, I, I think, you know, if you found something that you enjoyed and it was entertaining, then it's a worth it's a worthwhile movie. And just for me, my taste, it was just a little bit different. It doesn't yeah. mean that... that uh, it's not, yeah, I think there are a lot of fans of this horror movie and those who remember it from the late 90s. Just wasn't my bag and still unfortunately isn't my bag. <laughs> the happy medium between the two here on this. Yeah, movie. and that's okay. That's that's totally okay. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd still watch it, but I'd recommend it, but uh, I wouldn't be going into it with the highest of expectations, I guess. No, I think, I think we can establish that yeah. and... I think more people than not are going to say you're right and Jason's wrong on this one because it's just kind of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's probably developed a bit more of a cult following over the yeah. years too, with uh, you know, especially with re-releases and collector's editions and, yeah. and whatnot. And I, I bet I think it probably really had to get me on the right day. 
yeah. uh, for that mood. And I love that's the thing I like about horror is there's so many flavors of, of horror. Oh, that, sure. And I think there's room in the fridge for all these containers. Uh, <laughs> um, you <laughs> know, you got to have it. those, uh, those grisly ones for those, those days. And you got to have those, uh, you know, you want to have movies about killer trucks and, uh, and, <laughs> and possessed hands and vampires and whatever a creepazoid is, you know, some things <laughs> got to be like downright downbeat and scary. And sometimes I just want to have, I want that perfect mixture of, of blood spray and laughter. Um, and I think that my biggest thing about idle hands is I went into it thinking I was going to hate it. And, uh, and I didn't, I didn't hate it. And I actually, it was that right mood that I was in that day. And uh, I said, this was kind of fun and I'm actually glad it's on my shelf and I'll watch it again. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually saw offspring live not too long ago. Um, month or two and my daughter was with us so i actually called her down and made her watch that one scene she thought it was kind of cool <laughs> yeah. yeah that's I, a big deal uh with with today's youth if you could get them to admit that trust me <laughs> yeah. i think that that gives it just an extra extra relevance or whatever um for sure but i think we're covering a lot of different flavors in this episode which is a which is a nice thing absolutely uh, too and yeah, this movie's kind of dumped in the spring of 1999 and kind of forgotten about, and it's kind of been rediscovered, I think. And for those who are physical movie collectors, I, I see I see this disc all the time when I'm kind of uh, looking at Sunrise Records or, or one of those stores when I'm looking looking at options. So yeah, yeah, I guess we'll shift into last one. I think we started off with The Descent, which was a pretty serious horror movie, and I think we're ending off with a a serious but rather loud bombastic horror film it has actually been reviewed on this show once but it's kind of a lost episode for me i did a, a show on on vampires and uh recorded the show and Frank silker's dracula was part of that and the show did not record and then i went on and i i did a bit of a summary of what my guest and I talked about and review the points. And that was just kind of, that, that, that's one of those ones that I am just so frustrated by as I think, think back on it. So I wanted to give another chance to review Bram Stoker's Dracula. legendary their destinies linked an ageless myth meets an uncompromising master Francis Ford Coppola brings an undying legend to life. Dracula. <laughs> Beware. This was on the Vampire Day, 
that I, I chose to, to watch this. I've been a fan of Bram Stoker's Dracula since 1992. Maybe it was 93. I don't. I was too young to watch it in theaters, but I watched it on uh, on VHS, and I just remember being wowed by it. Does it have some problems? Indeed, it does. And it has it has a budget to work with, and it has the great Francis Ford Coppola as its director and uh, in total creative control even though he claims the studio came in and interfered with a few things, but he managed to kind of overcome that. But I really, really like this. And I like, uh, I, there's one performance which gets a lot of uh, negativity that I love. And another performance that gets a lot of negativity that I, I get that it's bad. And it's kind of like the, uh, the to me, the biggest problem with the movie in, in general. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll get to those for sure, but it's the the, the story of Dracula gets over uh, over to England, and um, he has which uh, Coppola kind of put in and the screenwriter put in a little bit of a historical context here, and this idea of like a, a past life as uh, where in a previous life he had uh, the love of his life was Winona Ryder. And he encounters her again in what is supposed to be the modern time here and engaged to uh, Keanu Reeves, who has come over to do this land deal. And he is determined to uh, win over his, his love again. So it's a horror movie, but there's also this rather operatic romance uh, there. And that is shown through like the brilliant music. I'm a huge fan of this this music score and this soundtrack. I didn't even really know, know, notice or I'd forgotten uh, that Annie Lennox has a song at the end too, which works beautifully with, uh, with the music in this film. It is a feast for the eyes and there's so much going on from the beginning right till the end and all done kind of like in camera shots, things that we think are kind of special effects were actually conceived as practical effects. There's there's a little bit, and it's kind of noticeable, a little bit of computer effects with a, in a couple moments, but not a whole lot. There's a lot of like additional, there's some like models of sets and impressive stuff with uh, going to Transylvania and the train sequences and, and all of those pieces. And I think it's quite true to the source material, which is actually Bram Stoker's Dracula is a very famous novel, but it's a bit of a a bland novel in some ways because it's all letters and correspondence that tells the story. He really injects it with life. And I, I might argue that this is my favorite version of uh, the Dracula story, as much as I appreciate the universal monsters and the late great Bela Lugosi, but you have Gary Oldman and Gary Oldman is a chameleon. I mean, and he is in all, and this was apparently part of his idea too, to have all of these different versions of and appearances that Dracula has and he looks like seven different people in the movie and uh and each one is is more convincing than the last it, it won an award for makeup it won for its costume design it was beautiful costumes it's a good looking film I'm gonna ask Scott and Sheldon to take a guess as to who I feel the weak link is in the cast well I, I know who it is for me but uh I, I got to say Keanu Reeves. Yes, yeah, absolutely. People are really hard on Winona Ryder. I love her in this film. 
I just absolutely love Winona Ryder. Some people don't like her performance too. And they say her and Keanu Reeves were just a little bit too young or they weren't, I don't know, experienced enough at this time to take on these roles. But I, I completely disagree. I love Ryder's performance. I love Gary Oldman. Anthony Hopkins is uh, chewing the scenery. Um, oh, yeah. uh, and like we have so many other interests. Sadie Frost has a great role in there. This was her first film, I believe. Um, and the, the great Tom Waits as Renfield as well. He's uh, got some amazing scenes and this beautiful scene, which is kind of was added in just with him and Winona Ryder is just, it's so well-conceived. So yeah, this is, this is another one of me gushing, but I, I, I think for me, uh, there's Bram Stoker's Dracula, and then there were five other movies that were reviewing for this show. So that's, that's <laughs> how much I love this film. So I'm I'm totally prepared to hear different opinions on this one because I might be totally illogical about this one because it was the time I was becoming a full blown movie geek was when I watched this and I was just like wow movies can do that I'm trying to have that feeling in the ten times or so that I have watched Bram Stoker's Dracula each time I, I I still go back to that good feeling it hasn't it hasn't been diminishing returns for me and some movies that I really loved at that time when I go back to watch them it's not as good as my teenage brain thought they were but this one is it, for for me it is at least so there we go just Sheldon, let's go with you first Sheldon yeah you... yeah sure no I, I don't have a, a ton of to say about it but uh, I yeah I, I really like the movie of course um, and for many of the same reasons Jason I think you do um, like I love Gary Oldman. He, any, any movie with Gary Oldman in it, I'll watch it. Um, you know, and there's a pretty good chance that I'll enjoy it. Um, he's just, he's had so many, um, <laughs> like really ludicrous characters, um, you know, that he's put together, uh, that I don't know. I just, I love watching him and anything that he does, um, it, it sort of the rest of the movie, um, doesn't really matter a whole lot to me, to, to be quite honest. But it, like I, I'm saying, it does. But uh, just his performance alone in a movie, I'll watch it because he's one of my favorite actors. I I really like him. But uh, uh, so yeah, that's 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 one of the big reasons why I really like the movie. But I agree with a lot of things that you said. Like um, one of the cool things that for me about watching the movie, getting to kind of review it, and like I try to learn a little bit about. Uh, the history of where it came from and and it's cool to kind of look up Bram Stoker and kind of uh, the author of kind of the original sort of uh, story I guess um, uh, and just sort of get to know some of the some of the old writers of, of some of this really cool material that's still around um, you know just finding out some of the things about Bram Stoker was really cool I guess he was quite an athlete apparently <laughs> um, I, I did. That's one thing I would never have expected from, you know, and I guess you could, I don't know, you kind of stereotype it that way, but you never would have thought like an author of a movie like this would have been like quite a successful athlete when he was in university. That, that was kind of the cool thing for me was watching the movie and kind of getting to get back into the whole Dracula um, legend, I guess. I really, I, I like supernatural movies. Like those are my type of horror movie. I'll watch zombie movies and Dracula movies and um except the the possession ones like i said i have a problem with but uh any of the other sort of supernatural stuff werewolf uh frankenstein um 
you know, and this original story kind of came out at the same sort of time when Bram Stoker, Stoker wrote it as Mary Shelley was working on Frankenstein. So uh, I just, I love those original stories. And that's, that's what really does it for me. Um, uh, but of course, this is different. This is an updated version of, of kind of that, uh, the novel, like you said, that it was based off of really, really cool soundtrack, really cool movie. And uh, I, I love the connection of getting to know some of those older authors again that you don't always uh, think about. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I like the supernatural aspect of it. It's, it's my kind of show. So, yeah. What did you think of Winona Ryder? Oh, I love Winona, Winona Ryder. Uh, you know, of course, Beetlejuice and, <laughs> and everything, you know, you think of. Like she's, uh, I grew up with Winona Ryder and uh, she she kind of had some issues there in the '90s or whatever, I believe, uh, with with uh, yeah, it's a little trouble with the law or, or something like that. But uh, besides that, you know, like you try not to you dismiss a person's personal life and kind of try to focus on their work. Like I know a lot of a lot of uh, you would would agree with, but uh, she's awesome. I like one one I think she was very good in this film. I don't think she was too young at all. She was kind of a child actor in a way, you know, and. She should be more than, uh, I guess, uh, good enough to handle a role like this. I, w- I would imagine by by the time that it came around in '92, uh, and Keanu Reeves to a certain degree too. Like he was sort of a younger actor, but I think Keanu Reeves was maybe um, he is what he is. He, you know, I don't know if this was the type of movie for him. I, I think like I really like John Wick, and I like most of the Matrix movies. Um, but he fits a certain profile of character. Um, you know, like he works really well with the whole John Wick persona. Um, but in a movie like this, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't think he was uh, the best in this movie. But uh, Wynonna Ryder, I think, is always good uh, regardless. Kind of the same thing as Gary Oldman. So, yeah. anyway. A bit of a history there. Quite, quite famously... Winona Ryder was supposed to be the daughter in The Godfather 3. Right. Uh, Pacino's daughter. And, and and then, depending on whose story you hear, either she was fired by Coppola uh, or she was had some health problems and she had to, to quit the film. That's Coppola's story. Um, and then Coppola put in his daughter, Sofia Coppola, and people were just ripped her performance apart and the movie apart and called it nepotism and all of this. Um, and then Ryder actually brought this movie to to Coppola and got him connected to it. So like, this was her her passion project here, and I think this kind of showed that you know there wasn't actually like any tension between Winona Ryder and Francis Ford Coppola, but uh, it was it was just there, there's there's a little bit of that uh, connection. I think Winona Ryder at one point was pushing for Johnny Depp to play Keanu Reeves' role because that was her boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. The studio wanted Keanu Reeves, and and the studio got Keanu Reeves. So <laughs> yeah, they sure did. <laughs> I, I I feel like I'm maybe you know there's a lot of Keanu Reeves fans out there, and again I I get when he's in his wheelhouse, he's great. Yeah. Um, but Johnny Depp would have been better. Oh, of course. He might have been yeah. several notches too uh, quirky, or you know that character you know needs to be kind of an even keeled every man type of thing so maybe maybe he wouldn't have been good in the role either i don't know but uh anyway maybe if i if i was to excuse keanu a bit on it maybe uh, he just comes across so wooden 
in it and so so dull and has no charisma at all on the screen. And and, and I do enjoy Keanu Reeves, but in the right project, you know, he's great in he's perfect as John Wick and uh, you know, the Bill and Ted movies. It's like, this was kind of shortly after I think the second Bill and Ted movie came out. Yeah. So it was weird seeing him in this kind of film at that time and uh, just the delivery of his lines. And he seems so dull and perhaps maybe that's part of the character uh, just making him seem so dull and uncharismatic. Maybe partly why Winona falls for Dracula maybe because he is so much more interesting and uh, you know, he's got that, charisma to him you know i'm not sure if that was purposeful that they said hey try and play your character really dull and <laughs> interesting <laughs> but um perhaps i don't know uh but the, that wouldn't excuse why his accent comes and goes depending on the scene yeah um, you know some some scenes he, he'll say a line with an accent then the next line he doesn't um i don't know and it went over around her to me i think she was fine in it yeah I, I didn't realize people really had a problem with her but um i've heard more than one in my yeah. guest when i reviewed it before really did not like her performance. And I remember hearing Larry's review of, of Bram Stoker's Dracula on Rankin Review. And yeah, he, he wasn't a fan either, but maybe I'm the only one who likes this performance, but I, I didn't know that she had that in her. I became a fan of hers through this movie, not Beetlejuice or, or, or anything else. And then I carried into the age of innocence and little women and all this stuff. And I, I think, Somewhere along the way, I developed some sort of a crush on her too, and it probably goes back to this movie. So, um, you know, uh, you were talking about Jessica Alba before Sheldon, but uh, I guess Winona Ryder was a little bit more um, my thing. But I, oh, I mine too. <laughs> we can we can have both. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, that people, that's a fan. I'm happy that people remembered her and Stranger Things kind of brought her career back, and I, I still I'm hoping for her to kind of get back into the movie business and in some uh, some good roles again that 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 would be that would be terrific this this i think this kind of started off the, like the very romantic and sexual types of dracula and vampires i know that sort of had been hinted at and explored and hammer horror and and some other earlier versions there uh, Coppola himself, and I don't think he's alone. And I know Scott, you had mentioned that you, I think, last year when we were talking about the previous year's horror challenge, Nosferatu being yes. like the the greatest vampire movie of all time. I'm not sure well, yet with Nosferatu. It's it's a very impressive movie, and all of the talk about the behind the scenes stuff with that one and the mythology around that piece. But I think kind of between Nosferatu. There were a lot of Dracula films, and then, but this this 1992 film came around, and it's it's probably the only one that, to me, took it fully serious. I mean, there, you know, some would talk about the vampire, but maybe not Dracula himself, you know, and and just give it all these layers. Like you feel sorry at points for and the tragedy of of this man who, you know, he goes off to war and the enemy. Uh, sends a false note saying that he has died in battle and, and the love of his life goes and kills herself. And he comes back to that. And um, and because she's committed suicide, the church isn't going to uh, allow her to be buried. And they say she's gone to hell. And that's when he is done with the church. And that's when he turns into the monster. Like, it gives reasons for, for Dracula to be the way he is. And just that... that there's that beautiful tragic score in there, but also that, that 
boom, boom, they got the like my blood flowing and the energy. Every time I hear that, I just am, I know I'm in for for a great night at the movies. It's not a shock to say Francis Ford Coppola knows how to make a movie uh, at all, but I, I I think he he put a lot into it. Even though he kind of this was towards the time he was starting to question whether he wanted to make movies, and uh, he I think this maybe was. Uh, one of the last films where the studio had a little bit more control uh, over his film than, than he did. Like he, all, all kinds of, I listened to the commentary on this. He had some frustrations with trying to, he was keep coming in under budget and they weren't willing to give him money for some different special effects for this one sequence. So, um, but yeah, again, another film where he was accused of nepotism because he brought his son in to direct a lot of the, um, sequences with the train and and just kind of those fade-ins and a lot of the the, the model work that was done, uh, but it's an exciting film and I mean I I'm not sure everybody on that set because it was quite a quite a uh, a mixed group of folks involved with this film. I know Anthony Hopkins I don't think was a huge fan of working with Coppola because of the rehearsal process that he would use. Hopkins didn't really want to rehearse and Coppola would actually, they, they would they would rehearse every single scene and film it and block it out before they would go in and shoot it for real. And and they'd be talking about things and, and Hopkins is like, why are we doing this? Let's just let's go shoot the movie. I mean, let's let, let, let's do it here. But, but that doesn't show in the performance. I mean, he, he's such a, a professional and I mean, it's not his, one of his great performances, but he he brings a a lot of a lot of crazy uh, energy. Uh, I, I I really really like what he does there. So yeah, I, I probably I don't know. Should I? I this has been balanced enough. I should probably say a couple of negative things. So I'm... <laughs> well, the thing I remember a, a lot from this was just how huge it was. Like this movie was humongous when it came out, uh, and this was kind of my l- late high school years. Uh, and when it came out, and I remember we all made a point, all my friends, we went to the theater to see this because it was just such a big deal. Because, you know, we've seen the, the black and white Dracula films are just, they're just, they're really quiet and, uh, and you know, pretty talky and, and kind of slow. And this just brought such an incredible production to the Dracula story. And you've you said it's a visual feast. It's just everything. You're just looking at it and, and marveling. Just this looks great and it sounds good. And uh you know, everyone looks good and, you know, performances are, you know, except for maybe Keanu, who just kind of phoned his in. But Poor um, Keanu. Yeah. you pointed out, like, uh, the things on the train. I love those scenes on the train where you look outside and the sky is red and you see, like, you feel like you see eyes or something. And it's just yeah. kind of cool stuff they do with the camera that I, I really enjoyed with it. But uh, I think I'd agree that this is probably the, you know, the best telling of, of the Dracula story. I mean, there's a lot of vampire movies, but uh, as far as, you know, the Dracula ones, this one's quite enjoyable and it's got the love story angle, but it also, uh, when he turns into the, the monster version of the vampire is the effect is great. And it, it looks scary. And, uh, you know, when he like drops down from the ceiling and he's half man, half bat, yes. uh, it's a great effect. And it looks, uh, that's a great horror movie mo- moment right there. It switches like on a dime. Like he's in the middle of the scene, he's kind of has this very sexual scene with Winona Ryder and, and then he hears them coming, and boom, he's 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 a monster. And uh, it's um, apparently that was a super uncomfortable costume and outfit he was in. Like, <laughs> he was kicking himself for suggesting this when, but it was it was. But I was used to like the Count Chocula, 
Chocula type of a cartoonish vampire Dracula character. And this opened my mm-hmm. eyes to all the different um, perspectives and, and especially the idea that he could be a man. Um, I, I love, I love all the things they did with shadows too. And uh, the, the shadows were almost a, a character to itself. Uh, you know, just playing with the movement of Dracula. You know, he'd look like he'd just kind of gliding. A lot of, a lot of just wonderful things to, to see in the background, too, if you're looking at the whole screen. My, I think my favorite performance for me was Anthony Hopkins in it. Um, yeah. he, he brought such a, a giddy excitement to the role of uh, Van, Van Helsing. Uh, there's a point, uh, I, I don't know, he, I guess if there were someone who's going to bring fun to the Dracula story, it was, it was his character. Uh, there's a point I, I loved where... Uh, What's her name? Uh, Lucy, uh, Winona Ryder's you know, best friend. Uh, she's she's dead, and uh, I think we have it here, where Van Helsing says, "I want you to bring me before nightfall a set of postmortem knives." And they're saying, "Oh, you, are you going to do an autopsy on Lucy?" And no, no, not exactly. I just want to cut off her head and take out her heart. That's at her funeral. <laughs> yeah. at her funeral. And this is uh, the man who was going to marry her too. That was so. <laughs> it's just it's the way he delivers that. Oh no, no, I just want to cut off her oh, head and take. I loved it. Yeah, like the three, the three guys there who were all trying to like Sadie Frost played Lucy. The three guys who were all trying to win her over, uh, Richard E. Grant, like not a lot of people knew about, and he's one of our great British actors. Carrie Ells, of course, known mm-hmm. from uh, The Princess Bride and yeah, Saw, but I guess you know he's played all series of mostly villains actually, but he's most famous for The Princess Bride and. Um, Billy Campbell, who I think is, you know, he's a pretty good actor. He was probably not as big as the other two, um, but he plays this Texas cowboy guy too. And yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of, like a, a great Italian actor, Monica Bellucci is one of like the, uh, the three female, uh, vampires there who are like jumping on Keanu Reeves in that, that, that one scene as well. So, uh, a lot of up and comers there, uh, like seems to be like theme of the, all the '90s movies that we're talking about in this show here. I'm a huge fan. I look back at my negative notes. They all, sadly, they're all about Keanu. The one that isn't really, really on him as much. It's a little bit more. They won the the, the the Oscar for makeup and stuff. But what did you think? Like his, his white hair <laughs> that didn't work. It, it didn't make sense because it got whiter somehow. Like it was white, a little slightly white when he came back after his traumatic experience in Transylvania there. But um, it somehow got whiter uh, a little bit later on. And all he had been doing was figuring out a plan on how to, to get to uh, to kill uh, Dracula there. But yeah, I, I don't think the like the yeah, the hair makeup situation for, for him, kind of like the performance wasn't working out the way it did for uh everybody yeah, else there, but. I don't know. it's funny I, I found the white hair kind of distracting a bit too because it was just so obvious and uh, it was never really addressed or anything and it almost looked like he was just wearing a wig or, or heavily yeah. sprayed or something it did they just didn't look right no and unfortunately they had to that there's that scene with the uh the meat uh and they're they're eating some roast or something and and it's it's mostly a scene between Anthony Hopkins and Keanu Reeves, and I'm sorry, but Anthony Hopkins is just acting circles around Keanu <laughs> in that scene. It was just like it was just unfair. It's like having like a minor league, uh, single A ball player against Aaron Judge. It's just not <laughs> going to work out for the minor leaguer. It, it isn't. But <laughs> fortunately, there weren't too many scenes like that where there was a lot of time where Keanu Reeves was kind of. Yeah, you get swallowed up by Gary Oldman, but it was a little bit less noticeable. He was a 
spending a lot of time just in the castle there trying to figure out how to escape. And then he's just part of the team towards the end there. The poor guy, at this time, he got a lot of criticisms. But he is one of the top movie stars now, and I'm glad of it. And they're apparently one of the nicest human beings in the world. Yeah. So, um, that. yeah, so I just have to respect him for all of that. And I, I know he was doing his best with this, but it's sadly the weak link in a, to me, a, a great film there. Is there anything else uh, either of you wanted to say about uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula before we start to award points? I don't know. It's, it's just a great movie, too. You know, like... A, this is this would be a movie that I would consider, you know, of course, much better made than a lot of the other ones that we've sort of reviewed. You know, um, there's a lot kind of more uh, realistic acting. You know, you got Gary Oldman, you got Wyatt Ryder, and quite quite a few good performances. Not so much on the on the Reeves aspect, but it, he he does what he does. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe there was some sort of a reason why they wanted him in that. Uh, role other than that, I don't know. I uh, would call Bill and Ted and uh, and yeah. uh, great. I don't know. I guess he was a money machine at that time, and he's going to get new audiences in to see it, probably even more than Winona Ryder. So, and that's what I kind of. That's why the studio wanted him. And that's Depp, what I sort of thought. Jeff was still up and coming, I and mean, he was only a year or so after Edward Scissorhands, so he wasn't. He, he was known, but he wasn't as big a star at that time. So right. that's a dollars and cents thing. And yeah, but he, that's I, what I thought. Perhaps you know, mis, miscast. Let's call it miscast. And yeah. So we'll put no, that on sure. the casting directors and the studio. So yeah. But no, and I, yeah, just it, I like the story. I always like Bram Stoker's story. I think it, it's the best Dracula story, like you guys were saying. And uh, like, I like the, the sort of Bram Stoker's Dracula is always known as sort of the more romantic one, I think. Um, and, and I sort of like that romantic aspect to it. Like Bram Stoker as a writer, and I, I think it had an influence on it, I, I would hope anyway, on, on the movie. And uh, just as a writer, like he, he was a very powerful writer. He was in isolation until he was like seven years old. He had some weird disease that they still don't really understand that just eventually went away. So uh, kind of a, an interesting character. And like I said, eventually became like a star athlete. So it's it's just the cooler story, I think, in the whole Dracula sort of tale. But uh, yeah, anyway, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I think people have, they haven't seen it, they should check it out here. So For sure. time to award some points. Scott and Sheldon, thank you for uh, doing this again. And um, no problem. We keep going with these movie challenges, so we'll have to see if we're going to do some more of these uh, kind of wrap-up shows. And we might do it in a different way 
um, in the future here or go back to that top 10 idea here. But uh, I think this was fun to have a sample of uh, the movies that we um, we watched and wanted to talk about throughout uh, last October's challenge there. So I guess, Scott, uh, we'll, we'll start off with you and go in the order that we or, uh, reviewed these in. So we'll start off with The Descent. How many points would you give The Descent? Uh, Descent went, uh, went with the most with 15. And then Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive, uh, I drop eight points to Maximum Overdrive. And then we went to the faculty. Faculty, uh, fun watching that one again. Uh, no, I'll give it 12. Then Creepazoids. That was a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I settled on seven. And Idle Hands. Idle Hands, I gave uh, eight as well. All right, and finally Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, Dracula gave it its uh, its ten. And Sheldon, go back to the descent. How many points for the descent? Ah, uh, I'd, I'd give it a ten. Okay, and then maximum overdrive. Maximum overdrive, just because it's a little bit more special for me. I, I had to give it just a, a a couple more points. I'll give it a fifteen, just because I love it so much. Just because I do. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. In the faculty. Uh faculty. I'd give a 10, too, as well. Creepazoids. Creepazoids, although I love it, uh, I and I had to find some other points somewhere to give to Maximum Overdrive, and I hate that I have to do this because I love the, the type of movie it is so much, um, but I'd, I'd have to drop it down and just take the points away and, 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 and give it a five. <laughs> although I love it, and I love it for different reasons. Um, but I, I had to give five points. Idle hands. I'll give that one a, a 10 too as well. And I think if we're doing the math properly, that'll be a 10 for the last one, I think. So, and, and, you know, I think that just speaks, um, to the type of, of, uh, horror watcher, uh, film watcher that I am. Um, I get so many, uh, different things from every movie that I watch. Um, and, and I, I love that. And that's what I love about the genre. Like you were saying, uh, Jason too, as well. And I think Scott mentioned that too, as well. And, and you know what, if I had more points, I'd give another f five points to Creepazoids. But, uh, if I had five bonus bonus points, <laughs> but I can't do that. And I really love maximum overdrive. So, but other than that, like I, I loved every movie almost equally for different reasons. Yeah, no, that's all good. And I force you to kind of rank them or <laughs> point system here so it, it's interest is this is not 100 percent the case not but we matched for exact number of points for a few of these here so uh just, just kind of interesting not all of them though uh and you'll kind of see why eventually here but the the descent i gave 13 points to and you know it is a full-on horror movie i mean it's just not you know um it is horrific. I mean, you just feel terrible after it, and it's effective in that in that regard. There. Then uh, maximum overdrive. So, sorry, <laughs> I am so sorry, but I gave it three points. I, gave I was expecting that. Yeah, it was, and I really like Stephen King, and I like bad Stephen King, and this. <laughs> but it, but it's me. got trucks. It's got trucks in it. <laughs> it's trucks in it. And it has a killer soundtrack. So. We'll <laughs> Then, uh, then we went with the faculty. I gave that twelve points. I don't think it's as good as the descent. The descent's a better film, but it's fun and it has jumped a lot. Like I probably the younger version of me, it would be maybe a five or maybe a seven or something like that. But it's 
I really enjoyed it. Creepazoids, and just I just I had a lot of fun with it, but I, I'm realistic about what it is. And this is where <laughs> Scott and I each gave it seven. So I gave, gave seven points to Creepazoids there for, you know, maybe overperforming. I don't know, but it's it, it was fun. And I appreciated the, the, uh, the energy and the heart they put into making this uh, alien ripoff. So. <laughs> Uh, Idle Hands, yeah, I, 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 I was not very nice to it. Probably a little bit nicer of the points than it may be seen, but I, 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 five points is what I gave it. So That's respectable. Uh, more, more than maximum overdrive. I liked it more than when I was younger, but not enough to, to recommend it for me personally. So Dracula, and that's where I really jacked up the points. I gave 20 points to Dracula. Yeah, so anyway, I, I've totaled this up. I believe this is accurate. So our, our big winner, mostly because of me giving it a ton of points, was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Second place was The Descent with 38 points. Fallen third place is The Faculty with 34. Fourth place was Maximum Overdrive with uh, 26 points. Yes. <laughs> Idle Hands got fifth place with 23. And sadly, Creepazoids got 19. So if I owned it, which I don't, it would leave my movie collection. But you two gentlemen, at the end, I have to have some sort of a, I don't know, punishment or there has to be some sort of a thing I have to do if not giving up uh, my movie. Um, what what do I need to do now? What can you two come up with to sort of make up for the fact that I'm not getting rid of a movie from my collection after this episode? Uh, maybe you got, maybe you have to watch it like every night the next week. <laughs> See how you feel about it then. You have to watch <laughs> Idle Hands again, <laughs> and and then you have to watch five clips from uh, Dracula with Keanu Reeves. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's very specific, or I know, right? So I can watch Creepazoids every day for the next week, and Idle Hands again. Eclipse of Keanu Reeves. <laughs> We're letting you off light. I don't know. Yeah, that actually, it's fairly light because I like Creepazoids, and I'm, so, but you're thinking it's going to have diminishing returns on uh, these seven watches I have to do in the next seven days. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you have to. <laughs> I think that might ruin it a bit. Yeah. No. I might see some of the the uh, the flaws in the uh, the movie. I don't know. It's pretty close to perfect for me. So. Yeah, well, anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. And this is the point where I uh, do a few shout outs to uh, friendly podcasts. Certainly Film Feast, uh, Schlock and Awe, A Lifetime of Hallmark, which I was on as a guest recently, uh, talking about this true story murder movie from Lifetime starring Sybil Shepard and Steve Gutenberg. So uh, if you check out A uh, Lifetime of Hallmark, it was a couple weeks ago. I don't know at the time I... Maybe it was a month ago at the time that this gets released. Listen to that one for sure and support uh, support those guys. And of course, I have to mention uh, Rank and Review, uh, the uh, the father podcast to uh, this uh, baby child I call uh, the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. And I just uh, thank you for being guests on the show. And my usual message is I want people to just uh, be kind to one another, be kinder to your neighbors and the people in your life than I was to idle hands and maximum overdrive <laughs> in the show. Um, and uh, just keep supporting the movies, buy movies, keep physical media alive and go to movie theaters. And just uh, we will continue to celebrate the movies with this podcast with a, a lot of interesting shows coming up, a lot of them Oscar related. Uh, 
pretty soon here. So, no, so no more creepoids then. No, <laughs> I don't think you got nominated. No, creepoids that uh, you wasn't uh, released this year, but you know, yeah, maybe uh, I think, there'll be a I think that would be that'd be my advice going out is uh, you know give a give a bad movie you know nothing about a chance. Yeah, and it it pays off sometimes. Yeah. And, Absolutely, um, and you may find the next Ashlyn Gear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. No, sometimes you can learn a lot more from a bad movie about movies than you can from a good one. <laughs> sure. Thanks, yeah, everybody, for listening. Thanks, thanks for having us. <laughs>